Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everyone to the spotlight as you heard by big dick mlj i'm jeremy lambert that is steven jensen it is thursday morning we got a lot to talk about a lot of personal things to talk about steven jensen how you doing buddy i'm doing well doing well jeremy taking the day off of my shoot job today i'm gonna do a, a coexisting after dark with maggie and rob a little bit later today nice. so getting a get a little extra content in today on my day off, and then I'm going to the Atlanta Hawks versus Phoenix Suns game tonight. I saw before I went to sleep that Kevin Durant was being traded to the Suns and Mikael Bridges. Dude, Bridges is my boy. He's he kills it on prize picks. He gets his over almost every night. So, is I'm assuming the trade went through. Could Durant be playing for the Suns no. as early as tonight, or does that no? He's maybe... one one. He's injured, so he's not. He's out uh, until the All Star break anyway but even okay. if he wasn't injured probably too soon that, that he'd be in the lineup tonight but he's but, yeah he, he's out definitely but bridges won't be in the lineup tonight then if he's getting trade then traded wouldn't no would he, he he won't be there either because he he has been traded <sighs> what a bummer that's the main reason i wanted tickets for the game tonight was to go see mikhail bridges i was gonna put like a hundred dollars on him and someone else on like a like a prize picks um, Steven Jensen buying tickets getting tickets going to the game for mikhail bridges mikhail bridges is a draw 
everybody. You've never heard player. that before. He's a good player, dude. He's been putting up like between 20 and 25 points, like consistently every game that I've watched the Suns. And like I've been watching them almost every every game for like the past month. But <laughs> I mean um, Devin Booker's back now. So I I think Bridges oh, is, that the problem? is gonna yeah, Devin, he, problem. Booker being back, Bridges scoring was probably gonna drop off. But now he's gonna <clears throat> probably gonna get traded to another team. I don't think that uh Brooklyn will hold on to him. As we will have a, a, a trade deadline special. If you do enjoy our NBA talk, uh, there is a show that I do with SB3 called FMC every Tuesday uh, on FIFOoverbook.com where we talk about the NBA, and we will have a trade deadline special tomorrow uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern. We were going to probably do one today, but I have an eight-hour drive ahead of me after this show, so I have, I have things to do after this show. And we got a lot of wrestling to talk about, Jensen. Join, pop in on the deadline special Uh tomorrow jensen take take time uh, off the shoot job to come come join us i wish i could but yeah i, I that was interesting i mean it's it's, it's interesting seeing all the uh <clears throat> all the all the trades that i mean I, the trade deadline is today right so that's yeah. why like so much of this is happening right now yeah so it's been a while being out you know not I, I didn't watch nba from like the early 2000s until like now uh I, outside of like I, there was a there was a very small pocket in time a handful of years ago when um when james harden was playing with the rockets that that was interesting to me for some reason like i just thought it was it was fun to watch him at the time that was like one season i got into it so it's been so weird or just like eye-opening seeing like it's like it's like going to sleep for 20 years waking up and like this is what the nba looks like now so it's totally different but yeah i'm looking forward to the game tonight me and my brother are gonna go and uh, watch the hawks in the uh in the sun's live so it'll be uh should be a good time well, I hope it's a it's a good game and you have a good time, Jensen. Yeah, the NBA is absolutely insane. I mean, Kevin Durant, legitimately top five player, just gets traded because Kyrie Irving wanted to get traded, and then Russell Westbrook also got traded. It's the stars that get traded in the NBA is unlike anywhere else. You just don't see this in like the NFL or the NHL or anything like that. It's it's nuts. The NBA script is the best script yeah. out there. Yes, there you go. All these worst sports wrestling yes. pro wrestling is the only thing that's real out there guys that's right uh let's get into it jensen let's talk about let's talk about the very personal promo between cody rhodes and paul Heyman. i will hit the button i don't want us to step on each other's toes here i'll, I'll hit okay. the, the bumpers here so that way jensen's been been running the show since i gotta leave out early <laughs> but i'm very very afraid we're both gonna try to hit it and it's gonna <laughs> Uh, I'd much rather you show. take care of all of that. I'll just make sure <laughs> that I get, I'll get y'all the interview before the end of the show and I'll make sure to log us out of here at the end of the show. But outside of that, Jeremy, feel free to do your thing. All right, here we go. You want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. The most WWE superstar of all WWE superstars, your guy, I assume you're wearing the hoodie, there it is new hoodie new hoodie baby this is you this is, this one just there. dropped this one dropped during the royal rumble so <laughs> uh, i got a new cody rhodes shirt on in the interview stay stay tuned for uh for later if you want to see my new cody rhodes shirt you got to do the work shirt um but uh but yes yeah go ahead jeremy you can you can you can continue to intro this in but yes i, I of course am uh it, it also actually since the last time we talked you can see over here that is a sign. You can't see the signature very good because of my camera. That's a signed Cody Rhodes Series 1 AEW figure next to my Sting 
Raphael signed figure and all my WCW figures. You can't really see that, but that's an Austin, a Triple H, and a, and a Rock signed uh, poster there. It's kind of hard to see. I'm still uh, <laughs> in my dope. GCW. That's GCW signed event posters up there. I'm, I'm redoing my uh, redoing my background here, so it's it's, <laughs> it's a process. But anyway, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. I'm getting off topic today. Uh, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman. Cody came out, talked about you know he's going he's going to WrestleMania. Mentioned Sami Zayn. Paul Heyman comes out and kind of cuts off Cody, and they get very personal. Of they they bring up Dusty, Dusty of course with his kids in NXT. And Cody says, you know, my brother and I used to have a name for you, but I have a lot of respect for you because you pretty much saved my family when we had nothing. And you called Dusty and you said, hey, can we work or can you work this ECW show and, you know, do this angle with Steve Carino? And, and, you know, that really saved our family. Then Heyman talked about how much respect he had for Dusty and the Rhodes family. Then he said, you know, when I last talked to Dusty, he said you were his favorite son, but Roman Reigns was the son he never had. And Cody got very sad and angry. He did not strike Paul Heyman, but he said, you know, now you've made it personal and I'm going to take that title from Roman Reigns. Extremely, extremely good promo by, by these two. You know, look, I'm still torn on the Cody Sammy stuff. I know we, we talk about it a, 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 a decent bit with Matt Coon in our interview. Um, I'm still very torn on it, but Cody, like they're going to do their best with this. And I, I said it in the interview and I'll say it here again. These fans ain't turning against Cody Rhodes. This is not a Danielson situation of, Oh, we don't want to see this guy. They are with Cody 100%. They're going to be with him all the way to WrestleMania. And he is certainly good enough certainly good enough to just continue. Kai says that he's, he's good at projecting his energy out and capturing the attention of the people. Yeah. He is good enough to carry them all the way through this. Even when Sammy is as hot as he is Jensen. What, what praise Cody Rhodes, Steven Jensen praise Cody Rhodes. Yeah. So there, you know, there were, there's levels to this, this promo here. There's so many. And you know, one thing that I talked about, or we talked about rather with Matt Coon and I'll bring it up here as well something that was really smart that I think people probably picked up on was Cody got out ahead of the Sami Zayn thing in that promo. That was, that was something that I think was important, <laughs> almost as important as the, the promo itself and everything they talked about, because he's acknowledging no pun intended, I guess he's acknowledging that Sami Zayn is super over that the fans want him. And as a white meat baby face himself, Cody Rhodes, and in wrestling, you know, throughout wrestling history, for the most part, you know, it's kind of changed over time and stuff. And, you know, but for the most part, we grew up on like the babyface wrestlers were friends with the other babyface wrestlers and the heel wrestlers were friends with the other heel wrestlers. Remember, you know, like there was, there, there, there was a time where the line wasn't so gray between like good, who's good, good guys and bad guys. It was, it was very black and white. And this feels really old school to me in the sense of like we have white meat babyface Cody Rhodes going for the world title. He in his prerogative is just becoming the champion, and he made that clear against Heyman too. He's like, "You're making this personal. I just want to win a, 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 a world championship." And but he's aligned with Sammy because they're both good guys, and the fans love them both. So he's out there saying, 
he's out there getting the crowd a chance, Sammy, Sammy, with him instead of like against him, which is that's the fear, right? Is Cody being in the middle of a promo or in the middle of an important match and the fans are chanting, we want Sammy while Cody's wrestling. That would be that's that, that's the last thing we need is Cody Rhodes fans. What we do want is the fans recognizing that Cody is behind Sammy, that they're friends, that Cody wants Sammy to beat Roman. But if Sammy doesn't get it done for whatever reason, Cody has a guaranteed shot at WrestleMania. And collectively, himself, Sammy Zayn, and Kevin Owens, however the three of them have to do it in whatever combination, those three guys are taking the bloodline out. And that's, that's I just think, was really smart for Cody to let the fans know he's rooting for Sami Zayn. You know, so that's big, I think. <clears throat> the actual promo between Cody and, and Heyman was incredible. Uh, it really hit hard when he talked about how he names all these wrestlers that Dusty has, you know, been a big influence on and helped train and gets to Cody and he's like, you're not on that list, you know, and which is true and not true. To be honest, like Co- Dusty definitely did have a hand in training Cody, but it wasn't. But the thing that that was different is that Cody, because <clears throat> the way that the way that this promo skewed things makes it sound like Dusty just didn't want to like like Cody wasn't worth his time or something like that in comparison right. to the other games. <clears throat> but in reality, you have to you got we'll have to remember. Okay, Cody. I mean, I, I got my high school letterman jacket in my closet over here i could literally go put on the, the, the last of the high school jacket. i was in there watching the dude in high school in like wrestle right two I, I saw a junior senior year boom boom state championship state championship 189 pounds undefeated his junior year avenge his only loss senior year okay he went this is in 2004 because i graduated high school in 2006 and he was two years older than me so we graduated in 2004 he went, this is pre-NXT, right? This is just OVW and there was no OVW TV or anything. So you, you or there was, but it was just local to like Louisville. So, or you sometimes like, like, uh, like affiliate UPN stations and stuff like that. I do remember that. Anyways, Cody went from high school wrestling to like a year in, 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 uh, a lot of people don't know he went to try to become an actor before he got into wrestling. So he went out to, to LA first wound up coming back and went straight to OVW. So when he was in high school, he did some wrestling training. He was trained by guys like Steve Day, who was our high school wrestling coach. He was trained by Glacier, Ray Lloyd, who everyone knows. Um, he was trained by like, you know, kind of like local guys like that. Cody actually did. Um, he was a referee for TCW. Co- uh, Dusty used to have a small indie promotion called Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. And Cody used to like work for that. So, like, Dusty was involved. Like, Dusty was in every single one of Cody's amateur wrestling matches. Uh, it was famously the only wrestling match Dusty ever missed in person was the night back in the day when Dusty had to join the NWO on WCW TV. That's the only time he ever missed one of Cody Rhodes' amateur wrestling matches. So, like, I'm just pulling the curtain back here. Dusty was heavily involved with Cody. He wasn't with Dustin, from what everyone understands. But, like, with Cody, he was. Um, and he couldn't have been trained by Dusty, really, because when Cody got in, he w- he had no indie career, went straight to OVW. He was trained by the people that were at OVW, and Dusty wasn't there. And like then Dusty took over NXT essentially like later, you know. So it's like based on the timeline, they they're playing it out like Dusty just wasn't there. But in reality, 
he was. So like, let's let's not let facts get in the way of a good promo here, Steven. Well, no, but, but, well, but I think the reality though of like Cody's family, you know, struggling. I think that's real. You know, like I think that like oh these- yeah, they've told that story uh, a <clears throat> bunch of times. Cody definitely has. I think Dustin's told it before. Yeah, too, but they've told that story. Even like his mom, I think he's told that story. Uh, yes. Yeah, they, they've told that story before. And and I also and this this is I want to make this honestly. This is to clear Dusty Rhodes' name, his good name with with wrestling fans, just so y'all know. <laughs> I think I've told this story before, but Dusty Rhodes was the kind of parent. This is how involved he was. Okay, he would go to the he would he would work the the high school wrestling matches with like my dad and the other parents and Dusty Rhodes, legend. In, I mean, everywhere, but like especially in Atlanta, Georgia, where we grew up, everyone knows who Dusty Rhodes is. Bonafide legend, no joke. He'd be standing there pulling ticket stubs with other parents, growing up hot dogs at concessions with other parents. Like he was just another parent, just trying to be there for his kid. So like, there, you know what I mean? There, there, it was the it's the absolute opposite of like Dusty wasn't there for Cody, but like. But I want I need to make that clear because there's gonna be people who hear a promo like that they're gonna be like Dusty was a bad dad or like he wasn't there for Dustin he wasn't there for Cody either he was there for Cody um but when, from the wrestling training perspective Cody was trained by mainly by other people well um, and I think that's I, I think that's largely what Heyman was was getting at is that from right. wrestling training he wasn't and Heyman even kind of touched on it is like he or Cody touched on it's like he just he couldn't be because he didn't want I don't I don't remember if he touched on his promo I've listened to so much Cody Rose over the past week because he's done three million interviews so it, this promo whatever interview he has done but he's he's said it of like he didn't want to be involved in kind of Cody's come up and training because he didn't want to make it seem like oh I'm playing favoritism towards my kid and, and things like that and we know Cody has been in similar positions of like, I don't want it to seem like I'm just going to win the world title here. So I'm going to remove myself from this. So I think that's the thing with dusty is it's not that like he didn't want to be involved and by what you're saying, very involved in stuff that wasn't professional wrestling. It was, I don't want to be involved because people are going to look at it as I'm just putting over my kid and helping my kid more than everybody else. He needs to go out there and just like do it on his own. I can better lend my services to everybody else. I'm sure if Cody asked, and I'm sure he did like, you know, at home or whatever, Hey, what do you think of this? Can you help me with this? I'm sure Dusty wasn't like, well, fuck no, I'm not helping you at all. So I I don't think that was a thing. I think it was just, they wanted to just try to keep that professional relationship a little bit separate because how many times have we seen the, the nepotism, in pro wrestling of you are only getting this because of who you are related to. Well, and I mean, to be fair, Cody's going to have to deal with that like harder than most people like for, for his career, because he didn't even have to have an indie run. I mean, he did later after he left the WWE. That's what's so that's what they're like newer fans. It's really hard to understand like the trajectory of his career. Cause it's so, it's so strange when you think about it, cause he had no, he had no professional wrestling career before being signed to WWE. So he just went straight into OVW pretty much out of high school. Once again, short, short stint trying to act, you know, after call, LeBron, after high school. Le- LeBron James of this shit, right into the straight out of high school, right into the pros. Yeah. He passed up on, on collegiate, uh, collegiate wrestling scholarships and good schools. Um, you know, and, and so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, 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 it just, it's just, 
you know, he had, he had no indie run prior to the WWE. So like he's got for him to, it's just, it's a really, it's a really uphill battle. Like it's a double-edged sword. Cause you have one foot in the business. It's, it's easier for people to know who you are because you're Dusty Rhodes' son. Dusty has the connections. He can get you a look by the WWE. Same thing happened with Randy Orton. You know, very similar. There's other wrestlers that, we, that you know, Ted DiBiase Jr. is a good example of this as well, but someone who, like, didn't, like, push through to the next level that people expected him to. But, like, Cody and Orton, I think, are really similar in a lot of ways. Just give a legacy shout. Yeah, big time. Leg- shout, shout, shout out Manu. Um, <laughs> but uh, where's that guy at? <laughs> um, I hope he's okay. Honestly, I have no idea where my news at. Um, he's doing indies. I'm pretty sure oh, he's, he's doing still indies doing indies. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's doing is indies. He? I listened Wait. to an interview with him like a month or so ago, and he's talking about like, oh yeah, Roman's doing his bloodline thing, taking over WWE, and I'm taking over the independent scene. It's like good, good for, for you, him. buddy. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. So, uh, but but that's you know it makes it twice as hard. I feel like, or if someone like Charlotte, you know, it's it, that's another good example where where you you're brought in as this like. uh like legacy, honestly, like like a like a legacy hire kind of situation where like you're you're getting in mainly because the WWE sees something in you, but more so because they're doing they respect your family and they're they're giving you a look out of respect. And for you to get over and stay over amongst not just the fans, but like the boys in the back, the management, like to like it, it, that's really really difficult i feel like to 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 and then you're and of course you're always going to be compared to your 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 family your successful family so it's just it's a tough spot to be in so for him to you know and and, and, I, and roman's in the same boat in a lot of ways as well i mean any of these wrestlers that are second or third generation but the promo is so good because like it really Heyman Heyman is the best manager in wrestling history, in my opinion. Like I've said that for a while. I, I know Bobby Heenan is going to be up there. I get that and stuff, but like I think the way that Paul Heyman sells stuff and his facial expressions and the way he can get you to care about stuff and the way that he can he can manipulate your feelings in really short amounts of time, like make you make you love him and then despise him so quickly and be so convincing at it. Um, in that line about your you Dusty told me you're you were his favorite son, but Roman's the son you always that he always wanted. And the way Cody's face changed after that, that was big too. Like he went, he like he had this look on his face, like, like he really didn't even know what to say, you know. And th- so th- this is another thing about this, Jeremy. This makes me really confident that Cody's beating Roman Reigns for both of these belts at WrestleMania. Oh, Cody's so like, always he was always gonna beat Roman Reigns. He was always so. gonna beat Roman Reigns, Jensen. Well, but I'm sure you see all these reports and rumors or whatever that people are saying. Like, I'm not throwing anyone on the bus or saying anything is inaccurate because I don't know. But who like, reported this? Sean well, Ross Simp? Did he report no, no, this stuff? No, dude. <laughs> but uh, I saw. Um, I, I think it was maybe Meltzer or someone had said something about like that. Either way, Cody was going to win a championship. That they were even considering like making a new title or something. If that, if The Rock was going to be available. So I mean, and I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just saying like. It's very, it's it's good. I feel like they're gonna go all the way with Cody. He was su- he's super over in these promos, the Heyman stuff. That that was that was one of the best back and forths I've seen in wrestling in a really really long time. Um, and it was a lot of realness in that, and that's that's a big part of it too. I've seen people say about Cody, um, you know, what's the difference between him and in WWE and AEW? Like, why is it working here and it wasn't working there? And I've seen a lot of kind of the same answers from people that 
I think are pretty accurate where in, in AEW, he sounded like the, like the fakest guy in, in, you know, a, a company full of, of real people. And then in WWE, it's like the opposite. He feels like the real guy in, in a company full of like, you know, scripted wrestlers, you know? So it's like, I, I think it's just really, really working. And, uh, I, I don't think the fans are going to turn on him either. And, and look at the kids, dude. There's kids dressed up in like full Cody regalia in the front row and stuff. And he's hugging all the kids. He's doing the Mysterio thing with like, if they're wearing a, like instead of the mask, instead, if they're wearing a Cody Rhodes shirt or whatever, like he hugs them in the crowd and gives someone his weight belt and stuff. Like this, this is your next John Cena until you can find someone else in my opinion. So he's clearly he's clearly over it's clearly working i mean if you look at the i'm not a big ratings person i don't put the stock into them that a lot of people do but if you look at those quarter hour numbers they, they drew the highest segment they drew the highest rating of the show and there was like a 20 percent drop off after their segment and this is in the third hour mind you where the third hour typically just completely dips anyway because it's 10 o'clock uh for for the east coasters and everything so the fact that they drew the rating that they did in the uh, in the third hour, people are invested in Cody, man, and they're doing a great job with him. I thought it was very smart to, like you said, have have him like address Sammy, bring that up, not ignore it, not shy away from it. And then it was very smart to have Paul Heyman come out there because you need the connective tissue between Roman and Cody even before Roman gets past Sammy because Roman in his promo mentioned Cody. And he want, he didn't want to do anything with Sammy. He's like, I'm past that. Like we we took care of that. And then Sammy attacked them. And you know, they're they're gonna do their thing at Elimination Chamber. But you still Cody and Roman is the story. It's gonna be the story. And now, you know, we, we still got Elimination Chamber to to go through. And, and I said it in our interview. Sometimes that moment it feels too good to pass up and Sammy winning that belt in Montreal. That would be such a big moment figure out the story after that but they are telling the story that they've been telling literally since cody came back and i think they they've been wanting to tell since cody got hurt of they knew cody was probably going to be back around the rumble and then you go into wrestlemania with cody assuming the rock wasn't going to work out and clearly the rock didn't work out so they've had this story in mind for a while it feels like and now they're getting the chance to tell it and i commend them that they're gonna stay on course with it now does that mean you you can't maybe veer off and get that moment with Sammy. No, it doesn't mean you can't do that. I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, and that's just that's what it is. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sad when Sammy doesn't win. And this will tie into something we'll talk about when it comes to AEW because I know a lot of people were were upset with that. But I'm gonna kind of tie both of these things uh, together when it comes to AEW and WWE and the the actual stories. I think. They are trying to tell WWE very clear, AEW a little less clear, but you can kind of see where they're going with things, uh, where they're what they're going to do with with these uh, stories. So, but great job by Cody and Heyman. I look forward to they got one more week of of Raw before Elimination Chamber, which is next week, and then WrestleMania kicks off after that. Real WrestleMania season, then we're going to see the Cody and Roman interactions, and man, those promos are going to be something else because Roman. Roman has grown so much as a performer. He's got some bullets in the chamber. Cody's got some bullets in the chamber. It's going to be some good shit between Roman and Cody going into WrestleMania. Like if you thought the Heyman and Cody stuff was good, I, I think the Roman and Cody stuff is going to be even better because we know we're going to see 
Cody and Roman punch each other in the face. Heyman and Cody, there's going to be no physicality between them. Roman and Cody, these these promos are going to lead to an actual fight between these two men. It's gonna it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. And like that's something that I think people really need to like really understand as well, and 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 be okay with just be along for this ride because this Sami Zayn story is fantastic, and I still think there's going to be a massive payoff for that with him and Owens beating the Usos at Mania for the tag belt. So like there's there's still and once again, collectively, I think the big the big overall story is is Cody, Sammy, and, and Owen taking out the bloodline. So like we have we have a lot of really good story that's unfolding in front of us over the next few months. So just kick back, relax, enjoy it. Don't go crazy when like the exact thing that you want to happen doesn't happen. Unless of course that thing is Cody Rhodes not winning the championship WrestleMania. <laughs> then then, then, yeah, then we lose our mind. Enjoy, enjoy everything until Cody doesn't win and then Steven Jits is gonna break a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah, then there then there's a, a real problem. But um but like up to then, right? Like we're gonna have Sami Zayn in the Elimination Chamber in Montreal and Kevin Owens probably with the big save there and and then yeah, I mean we haven't even seen like I know that the Sammy and, and Bloodline stuff is white hot. I get that, but give Cody and Roman a real chance because, like you give said, they Cody haven't even a chance. Everybody, give a chance. just give Cody a chance. Because, like you said, that that the Heyman and Cody promo was fire between the two of those guys. As, as Alec Price would say, it was fire. Um, and the with uh, when it gets to Cody and and Roman, that's gonna be. The buildup for that's going to be so good. By the time that match happens, people are going to be going nuts and want to see Cody win that championship. So, um, yes, I'm excited. I'm I I I love that segment on Raw. I thought it was by far the best thing I saw on Monday night. Get ready for a lot of Cody talk on this show as well. Jensen, Jensen and I talked peel peel by our curtain a little bit, and he's like, I don't know, should we do Cody stuff every single week? I was like, Jensen, this is the people are here for your Cody take. Like that, that's what they come here for. They want to know Cody number one fan, Steven Jensen, what his take is on everything. Uh, oh, what is mm-hmm. the, the SmackDown press release? Apologies. SmackDown is headed to the O2 in London the night before Money in the Bank. Oh, that's good for them. All right. That's not huge news. I thought it was going to be something bigger. Hey, breaking news on this show, everybody. SmackDown is going to be at the O2 in London the night before Money in the Bank, where Money in the Bank is going to be as well uh yeah, good yes, timing uh, while we're on our wwe spotlights yes out there uh yeah see kai is here for the cody and the cm punk takes every uh takes about cm punk oh you want to know how i feel about phil <laughs> I, said, no, 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 I'm good. I, I i feel randy, i honestly feel like he's i honestly feel like he's gonna return to AEW at this point like i think it'll happen when he's randy couture uh randy couture buried cm punk in an interview that i listened to which was oh, really? great yeah, <laughs> not the biggest Randy Couture guy either, unfortunately. But uh, but I, I liked him as a fighter a lot. But yeah, there's fair. he blocked me. He blocked me years ago over something really, really petty. So I was kind of like, I guess Randy kinda... Couture. So I've gotten blocked by you know it happens every now and then. <clears throat> Sometimes I think it's on accident. To be totally honest, the Couture thing. I think I said something, and this was back when I was with MMA on point. So like, so fighters actually actually care about my opinion sometimes when it came to certain stuff. And like, um, yeah, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't a big fan of, of some of the way, some of the way that, that Couture handled himself, like when he left the UFC and like signed with Viacom and stuff like that. But honestly, my, my opinion has changed quite a bit recently. Cause like, I've kind of, anyway, that, my, 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 how I felt about Randy Couture years ago 
that would have gotten me blocked. I've actually changed my mind a lot about it. It would be interesting to like let him know how I feel now about that. My uncle actually knows him. He's played. He's like he's like rode like motorcycles with Randy Couture before, but he but he doesn't want anything to do with me. It's it's hilarious. Um, and then Rampage Jackson blocked me for complimenting him. He just didn't understand the tweet, and it, <laughs> I was just like, no. But years ago, a really fast story. But years ago, I don't know if you remember this. You were probably covering MMA at the time. It was it was a while back. There was a, a UFC card that Randy that um that Rampage Jackson. He was supposed to fight, I believe, Fabio Maldonado on it, but he was uh-huh. still technically signed to Bellator when they announced the fight. So they had to like cancel the pay per view fight for the UFC, and then Rampage had to like deal with his contract with Bellator, and then like get out of it, and then took the UFC fight. But after, so anyway, the, there was the pay per view got announced, and then Rampage got pulled off the pay per view because because of this dispute thing. And I tweeted something like, "Damn." I don't want to buy the w- the, the UFC pay-per-view anymore because I, I was buying it to watch Rampage, but Rampage isn't on the show anymore. And he read that and somehow I think read it as like, fuck Rampage, I don't want to pay to watch this guy. I, he just read it wrong and blocked me. And I was like, dude, I was saying that like the only reason I was paying for the show was because I'm a fan of you. And like now you're not on the show and I don't want to watch it anymore. But like, I'm a, I'm a your fan. Like that's the whole point of the tweet, right? It's like, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. And... Um, yeah, just locked me over that. It was like, okay, that's so weird because I'm a fan. So um, anyway, Rampage Jackson, if you ever happen to hear this, if you want to unblock me, it's been like a decade and I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm still a fan, dude. So um, uh, anyways. I just asked uh, Randy Couture to unblock you. So we'll Did see. you really? Yeah. Dude, I, I, <laughs> hey, that, thank you, man. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my, I don't. My, Randy Couture has no idea who I am. He probably doesn't. It doesn't look like he tweets very often. I don't think Randy hey. Couture has anything interesting to say on Twitter. Right, let's be honest here. I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, my my opinion on a lot of the, this is off topic, and we'll we'll get back on track in a second. But like, since the Dana White slapping his wife thing, and oh, like then powers, and then guy. and then power slap being a thing, like as he blocked me, Dana White blocked me a long time ago because I called him a liar. So I. Yeah, I've been off the Dana White band. I'm not sure I was ever on it, but it's it, he literally like, like it may have been a decade ago. Um, yeah, he's yeah. Ne- never been a Dana White guy, and all the stuff that's come out now, even even worse. So I'll answer this question too. This is off topic. This is a little off topic at the moment, and this is even a super chat. But Anthony, I got you on this one real quick. Curious ideas on Ryback. He seems like the biggest tool in all of wrestling personalities. I'll say this: I've met Ryback in person. He was a douchebag the time that I met him. Um, and I'll also say this that he was a douchebag to the other people that I was with too. And this was at a small indie show after he had already left the WWE. So he had like, he should have been nice to everyone because he didn't really wrestle like at all after this, to my knowledge, because no one wants to book him or work with him. Um, I've never in my life seen somebody preach positivity more. That's a bigger asshole to everybody than Ryback. So there you go. There's, 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 there's me, there's me uh, uh, <laughs> addressing my enemies there. I, I've gone, I've, I've gone back and forth with Ryback on Twitter before in the past too over stuff, and like he just, he'll be like, "Go, go read the spirit, bro," and like get positive, and it's like, dude, you're the asshole. Like, like, like you're the one causing all the problems. So, um, there's a anyway, few people here, like me, that in wrestling. Let me put it sure, but let me put it this way: I think it's pretty obvious how people feel about Ryback because he's been years since he left the WWE, and he's been nowhere. So yeah. there you go. Uh, my WWE spotlight, Steven Jensen, is Wesley and Dijak from NXT Vengeance Day. And 
the match, yes, the match was great. Dijak somehow coming away with a mangled finger, but it wasn't broken or anything. A little surprised that Wesley won, but not mad about it. But more than the match was the overall vibe of Vengeance Day, where this was the opener, and it definitely felt like a throwback of one. They were they were, they traveled, so they were out of the performance center for the first time since the since the pandemic. Um, but it felt like a a very big throwback to the NXT Black and Gold days. Usually, they would kick off those shows with like a big time tag team match that would steal the show. And then they, they'd be off and running from there. And this uh, singles match for the North American uh, Championship. And it was a great, great, great match. And then it was like very downhill after that. And before the NXT shows, when they would kick off these these uh, these shows with a top tier match, it, it still went like upwards. So like, oh, they're great matches to follow. And then the main event would typically steal the show. This great opener. And then after that, it was like, ooh, I don't, it, it didn't match that level. And it was a little disappointing because they had some good matches. Carmelo Hayes and Apollo Crews, like nothing wrong with that. Carmelo Hayes even mentioned this in an interview of like, people just aren't conditioned to like two straight falls. Like everyone's expecting, oh, he won the first. Okay, now this guy's going to win the second and then go to a third. It's like, oh, wait, two straight. Ooh. And then the cage match, I don't think the stipulation of exiting the cage hurt it because i actually think that's how it should be like it's a cage match yeah. design like running away from your opponent's very stupid you should beat them inside the cage but i do think it took away the predictability or the unpredictability of who was going to win because i don't think anybody thought that grayson waller is going to pin or submit braun breaker i think people thought like oh if grayson's going to win the title it's going to be he escapes the cage and that's how he gets the title so i do think it took away some unpredictability to the match on that but the rest of the show like lee and dijak we were off and running it's like oh man vengeance day is gonna hit and then the rest of the show was like eh, it, it wasn't there and i don't know if it's a 2.0 thing or 2.5 whatever whatever they're calling themselves now two point black <laughs> and gold um but it was just kind of disappointing after such a great opener between lee and dijak that the rest of the show just like could not match that yeah i'm gonna throw this on this is happening I'm, I'm rearranging my room while we're talking nxt i'll throw that on um so, uh, shout out Braun Breaker holding this bad boy now. That was a great spear, by the way. I'll give him credit. At the end of that match, um, like Roman, Re- Roman Reigns tried that same thing against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33. I was there live. Didn't like the match. And it, and it, and it also like took away that Undertaker didn't actually retire after that, too. So I'm kind of salty about that still. But remember when that happened when like The Undertaker was standing there and he just like watched roman go past him like hitting the ropes and then he did it undertaker this... didn't know where he was it looked like bob fish on an edible uh after that <laughs> nice um but uh but i liked how they did this one because like waller was like on his knees like groggy trying to stand up as braun was running past him so it didn't look like he was just like watching him go past him i thought this came off better and outside of bill goldberg braun's probably got the best spear i've seen and, and it's because both guys are just tackling people like how so from some from from like the uh from like a worker perspective, people would probably say like Edge has the best spear because it looks like it, you know, it looks like it's like a it's like a it's like a what they'd call like a pillow bump, where it's like just but you you're not getting hit. That, but with uh bitch edge. Yeah, but like Goldberg was out there just tackling people, which you know, I'm sure the wrestlers hated, but it was visually as a fan, it was a lot of fun to watch. Braun feels the same way, he looks he's just hitting people. Um the the um the Dijak versus Wesley match that we're spotlighting here, really really enjoyed it. Really happy for Wesley because yeah. with yeah the position he was put in with 
losing losing Nash um, from MSK, not having Trey come with them to WWE, uh, not having uh, Myron come with them to WWE. He's just the solo rascal now. And the rest of them have reunited on the indies and they're, they're doing like trio matches, the other three of them, you know, and he's just by himself, came in as a tag team guy, probably had long-term plans as a tag team guy, whether it was NXT or main roster. And those plans completely just 180. And he has totally just completely exceeded whatever expectations I think they could have had for him and what he could have had for himself. Like, I think that he's, he's killing it. Like he's doing great. These matches he's been having have been awesome. Um, He's a great champion for that title. And Dijak is a guy who I've always been high on. I drove from Nashville, Tennessee to St. Louis, like five hours there, five hours back just to watch. Well, not just to watch him versus Marafuji, but that was a a match on the show. That was a big draw for me. Also Cody Rhodes wrestled on the show. This is a, this is a glory pro show um years ago um he wrestled a guy that isn't so favorable anymore and if you want to put the pieces together you can figure out who his opponent was i don't even want to talk about it to be honest but but anyway so cody cody wrestled on the show and and but the big the main event was mara fuji versus dijak and um and dijak was so so he had so much potential he got so good so quickly he had like a basketball back i think he was like an overseas basketball player or something like that like a, like a semi-pro basketball player or something before coming to pro wrestling. Cause he, he took to it so quickly and he's so athletic and so strong as well. Um, it's been a really, really cool. The, the gimmick's still a little weird to me. He kind of comes off like Berlin to me, like the old Alex Wright Berlin character. Like he, <laughs> he looks like him. That's a good shout. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does kind of look like that. Yeah. Um, and I, by shout. the way, he needs the wall. He needs the wall he, by his side. He, Who could be the wall? For, for Dijak. It's tough because Dijak's so big. Like the wall would have been like Dijak size. Um Ryan almost almost can be the wall for, for I love, Dijak. Love me some love me some moments. Um but uh but dude and I loved Alex Wright. I was a big Alex Wright fan that the thing I still think he didn't get the oh, reach the levels he, he should have. Alex Wright yeah. fucking ruled. Yeah. Das Wonderkid. Das Wonderkin. Um it, Trying to do the dance on the thing, but oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, but so like I uh, so I, I thought this match was great, and it makes Dijak look even more badass that he's posting pictures of his finger and his fingers like right angled, you know, like just uh, really uh, what the hell, Keaton? What, what kind of question is this? Did I say something that would ever? Oh no, this is an FMC bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, was just, I was like, I, that 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 caught my attention in the chat. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, this match this match ruled, and like you said, I like, and the reason that I wanted to spotlight it as well is because that was my favorite match of the NXT show was Wesley and Dijak. I thought they killed it from bell to bell. Um. I think the right guy won because I think it's smart to have Wesley with the title right now, but I would have been fine with Dijak too because Dijak is super talented and he hasn't even scratched the surface. They're giving him an opportunity to rebound from this T-bar stuff too, which is very refreshing to see. Um, they kind of... How long have they been calling Davocado Davocado again? Was that I think new? it was just this because he's just been off of television. Like he's... Okay. After the commander is... he After Apollo went to uh nxt commander aziz wasn't like on tv at all okay so he's this was his return to dapakato okay see i didn't know i haven't been watching enough to know if he was around lately or not so i know he did the commander aziz thing so it'd been a while since people had seen him when he showed up 
Um, and like that fell flat too, you know, like it was like he came out and then he helped Apollo and then turned on Apollo. And it no was one like care about unless he's ripping off dicks. No one cares about Dabakato. He did rip some dicks in the raw underground. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. He ripped right, dicks again. We're good. Then then push this man to the moon. Put the belt on him. He should dethrone Braun Breaker. But if he ain't ripping dicks, I don't care. Remember, he was he was the chosen one of Raw Underground. Like there was other guys like Riddick Moss that had like a good run in the underground. Uh Arturo Huras had a good run in the underground. But Dabakato was the guy that they built as like the main guy of it. And then Braun Strowman came in and like one punch KO'd him. And everyone was like, and then we never saw Raw Underground ever again. And they should, do NXT. Never... they should do NXT underground. That's what they should do. Yeah. That whole Ronda Round thing was like a fever dream. It's so funny how they just like dropped it and never have mentioned it ever again. Like it just never existed. Well, Dabakato is back. He's back to reclaim the underground throne, baby. Hell yeah. I'm here for it. Let's see it. Let's see it, Dabakato. Go get that, go get that rematch with Braun. This the, 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 the street then- the streets needs it. Him and Braun in a, a dick ripping match. I was gonna say power slap. They should do a power slap. Ooh. They should do a dick ripping match. First to rip off a dick. That's yeah. the thing with power slap too. It's like they're flipping a coin, so someone goes first. Like Rochambeau. That was always the joke. Remember growing up, it'd be right. like, you want to play Rochambeau? Right. Okay, well I get to go first. It's like okay, yeah. we're well, gonna win if you get to kick someone in the nuts before they get kick <laughs> you in the nuts. Um, maybe if you did something like that. In, but in WWE, but they start at the same time. So they both have a grasp. They both got their hands on the, there, there we go. They both yeah. got their hands on the dicks at the same time. And then it's three, two, one, go. And you just start ripping. Nice. Like you, tug of war until someone's nuts get removed. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, dick tug of war. Yeah. That sounds infinitely more um, competitive, athletic, and entertaining than power slap. So it's way better than power slap. Yeah, it's, I'm not even kidding. That sounds way better than Power Slap. We've got it. It's Triple H, Triple Paul, go go do your thing. We've given you this great idea. This will be Dana White's <laughs> next moneymaker. Put it on after uh, Dynamite or Rampage or whatever. I'm pitching this shit. Are you kidding me? I'm taking All this right, to y'all. Warner Brothers. I'm not encouraging anything, but if y'all decide to partake in this new hybrid sport, please make sure to <laughs> videotape it and uh, this is gonna be the next Jeremy. This is going to be the next TikTok craze, the, the dick ripping challenge. Put it on TikTok. Here we go, baby. Here we go. Dude, I don't know hardly anything about TikTok, but I watched the new South Park last night and I was, I was, oh, I watched it. Oh, I, oh I won't ruin it. Yeah. Funny. Still funny. South Park's still funny. It's still edgy. There's going to be people who don't like the subject matter and they talk about, you know, I get it, but like, as someone, once again, we grew up in the 90s. I think we're just like desensitized to a lot of stuff. Like I was watching, we were watching South Park when we were 10. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's kind of hard to offend me when it comes to like anything really, to be honest. So like, um, I, 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 I think that I thought last night's episode was really funny. So I, yeah, ch- check it out if, uh, if you're a fan. Let's move on to our AEW spotlight. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show. And I think it's been a run of great shows. Speaking of playing with dicks, MJF was driving a car and was getting his <laughs> dick played with. And then he crashed. <laughs> oh, somebody clip that, please. Uh, oh, no. So that was me imitating MJF. Yes, I know. Not, I know it was. No, I know. I, 
but if I want to get that in the clip, that won't, that won't be in the clip when it's out there. Great. I know, I know what that was, but yeah. it should still be clipped. Uh, he told this story of how it was prom night and he got into this new car and he was with, let's call her Liv, uh, and he was getting roadhead and he was a little distracted and then he hydroplaned and he, he hit a tree and it, things were kind of black, went black, went blank for him. And then he, he had to figure out where he was and he lived in where she was. And then he heard the cops and then he switched places with uh, Liv. So it looked like Liv was driving and she would be the one who was in trouble. And he told this story basically to say how much of a despicable, disgusting, your t-shirts are too tight, Billy. What kind of despicable operation do you run here? What kind of disgusting the person he is Jensen a lot of discourse around this promo of uh, you know was it necessary was it needed did uh you know did MJF actually need to tell this story to show what kind of disgusting person he is what does this have to do with anything what did you think of this promo I think this rules like this is if that's what people are saying then it totally worked you know like that's the whole point MJF yeah. wants to be a non-redeemable piece of shit heel. Like that's his, <clears throat> that's his prerogative. And listen, it's gonna it's gonna create a lot of enemies, probably on screen and off screen. But like, that's what he's in the game for. He's made it very clear that like that's what he wants. You know, he wants to give you no reason to cheer him. In fact, he wants to give you a reason to boo him out of the building. So. That's why you cut promos like this. Like I, I think it's brilliant, you know. And it's the kind of promo you you not to compare companies. That's not the point of this. But like you wouldn't hear a promo like that in the WWE. You just you would you just you would not hear that on a PG show, a story like that. Um, so I, I thought it was great. Dick sucking motions uh, in WWE yes. in 2023. 20 years ago, Shawn Michaels, sure. I guess. Oh, you, so so you click this. Sean used to do the the thing with yeah. the with the the <laughs> cupping also while he'd do it. We're talking like, a lot about dick and balls today. Yeah. What has happened yeah. to this show? Yeah, it's hard to do in this little screen, by the way, too. Not that Jensen's I want to been do. sucking cock on air to this morning. Like, what's what's going on? I know, right? This is a weird. This is a weird <laughs> show. I'm on a weird day off here, Jeremy. Starting off weird. It's gonna get weirder. I'm gonna be on with Rob and Maggie in a little bit. So, uh, but dude, yeah, I. I uh I refuse to clip this. <laughs> That's uh, fair, guy. Okay. That's fair. yeah. No, yeah. But uh, no. I thought I thought this was uh <laughs> brutal titties. So Sean would work the balls. Hashtag respect. Sean would work uh, the balls. Sean you gotta work. love someone who works the balls well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, late '90s Shawn Michaels. That was a whole. <laughs> that was a whole vibe. Um, but uh, no, that I. I I, I actually, I, I, I popped pretty big for this promo, to be completely honest, by MJF. I was sitting there, glued to my screen, listening to every word. And when, and like you knew some, because like, honestly, because MJF has shown hints in the past of like humility, like little, little shreds of it where he's talked about, you know, the kids calling him derogatory slurs and throwing change at his feet and stuff like that growing up. And like, he's talked about, how he even hates the guy that he has to be when his music hits. But like, if he isn't that guy, he'll just never be anything and stuff like that. And so he's, he's like this guy who's like playing this internal struggle at times with, with whether he should be a good person or a bad person and like what his real kind of motivations are. And 
so like when he's doing a promo like this you start at least in my mind i start thinking of that kind of stuff where i'm like damn is he gonna really cut some sort of promo after doing all this stuff to like danielson and, and everything he's doing all this just everything he's done and he's about to sit here and tell me a story that's gonna make me feel bad about him because he's gonna talk about like accidentally killing his girlfriend or seriously injuring his girlfriend and like maybe the 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 pain of losing her is part of what's driven him to be the person he is now and all this stuff and by the time i'm sitting there going like damn this is a really really heartfelt story like this is messed up he immediately just says fuck you right to your face and goes you want to know who the kind of person that i am dragon i put her in the front seat in the driver's seat so it looked like she was driving so that i didn't get in trouble for that and it's just like Dude, what a dick! You know what I mean? It's like what a but what a perfect kind of story for that kind of character. Like it's, I I loved it. I, I think if people have a problem with it, I like I I get it sometimes when when the certain lines are crossed. When like, because I because once again I doubt that there's any truth to anything that has to do with the story. It's different when it's like, you know, uh, Charlotte Flair telling Rick that like you know, something like something about like her, her or like someone saying to Ric Flair about like Reed dying or something. You know what I mean? Like that's when you, you see something like that and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I like, I would have been okay with that not being a part of the show. Like that's too personal, but like, this is just a story to, to get heat. So like, I don't care what he says. Cause it's just, it's just all made to get people to, to hate him. You know, wasn't he already the most hated person in the company but you gotta though. keep it you gotta keep it going like find uh, find more find ways to keep, keep make people hate you even more and that's I the mean, kind, of, after that's the the kind real... of levels i feel like you have to sing to to, to continue sure. to be hated like that yeah and like i'm i didn't have an issue with it uh the only questionable material i i had of this is like maybe let's not talk about car accidents right now okay um, that's fair i didn't i honestly didn't even think about that I'm yeah. gonna be honest. I did. I did not even think about that. That was kind of um, the first thing that yeah. pops into my mind, and I, I yeah. certainly don't think it was. It was that was the intention, but like, it's it's kind of you know. Uh, so that that, that was, that, was like, that's eh. understandable. I do I do get that. I and I don't know how I didn't think about that, but like that's, I I understand that. That makes sense. So that that was the only questionable thing I I had with it, and again, I don't think that was any type of intention at all. Um. I do think, and this is, this is a little devil, devil's advocate uh, on my part here, because I, I get what you're saying, and I get what a lot of people are saying of, like, just go all out, show how uh, irredeemable you are as a person. Um, and and he, certainly, he certainly did that. And But could they have done it just in a wrestling sense? Because, like, the Regal stuff, that, was, that showed how disgusting of a person that this man is, that, that he would do that to Regal and lay him out. And Regal sold that, sold that brilliantly. Even the stuff of like, I'm trying to pay off all these people to take out Danielson is irredeemable stuff. So they, they keep doing this with MJF and he, he is the biggest heel in the company. So was it necessary to like tell this story to put even more on him as an irredeemable person? I don't know. I don't know if it was, uh, I, I get it. It worked. It got a lot of heat. It, it certainly, it, it what they were trying to accomplish. I do think that they accomplished. Could did they need to do it to actually go this far with it? I don't know. 
I don't know if it was necessary in that sense. Did I have an issue with them doing this? Absolutely not. He's telling a wrestling, he's telling a story that I don't believe is true at all. And if you thought, if you did have an inkling that, hey, maybe MJF is a good guy. uh, After this story, it's like, oh no, this guy is fucking just terrible. And there really is nothing great about him. Like he was willing to do that then. Yeah, now he's the champion. What else is he is he going to do? And there is like some some shock value to it. And I do think this is an MJF problem uh, that that he's kind of had throughout his career. Is he will go lowest hanging fruit, uh, shock value type of thing. So was it necessary in a wrestling sense? I question some of it. Did I have this big issue with it that I I've seen a lot of people of just like, oh, this is just this is irredeemable. It's like, well, then maybe it worked in that sense. I don't know if this is like change the channel heat of, Oh, I can't stand this guy. I I mean, I don't think that it, I don't want to judge anyone as a wrestling fan. Right. But like, I feel like if, if, if that's, if this kind of thing makes you want to not watch AEW or like change the channel or whatever, I really, I mean, I'm not going to say like AEW isn't for you. Cause maybe this uses this one specific thing you don't like. And I, I, I understand, I, I guess to a degree, but like, just, just really, really just try to understand. I would imagine MJF's mindset. This is a very basic version of probably the way his mind works. He probably sat down before Dynamite and said, "Okay, what have I done this this far to Danielson? Okay, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. This is what the fans have seen me do. This is what they've heard me do. Okay, we're, we're the, the whole point is to just get as much heat as I possibly can coming out of this week. I'm going to beat him up. What can I say? Okay." What's the most fucked up story I could tell on national television tonight? And that's what he came up with. Like that, like, you know what I mean? It, it could have been a car accident. It could have been a, a, a fire. It could have been uh, anything, right? Like, it, like I, I think his, the, just the whole point of what he did last night was just trying to think of what's the most fucked up thing I could say to the wrestling fans that are going to make them think, holy shit, this guy is completely fucking irredeemable, you know? And that's what it was. I, and that's, you know, that's, and that's why I don't have an issue with it. Now the car, the car thing, if it being a car accident so close to the passing of Jay, I didn't even put that together. And in that, in that, from that perspective, I do, I do get that. But you know, overall, I and once again, this is something where if you watch mainly like WWE television, you're not going to be used to seeing something like this. But I mean, I've heard people say well i mean you know like on the indie stuff is different you know different companies kind of play by different rules and different you know rating systems or whatever for like you know pg or mature or whatever it's all going to be different and i think it's cool that AEW just like lets mjf just do this on on their tv he's a world champion he's supposed to be the most hated guy in the company <laughs> that's that's you know that's it makes sense that he would tell a story like this and uh the only thing that's weird, though, honestly, the weirdest part about it is like him coming up with it. Cause like you gotta be kind of fucked up to like sit there and be like, okay, what's what kind of story should I make up about? And like that's what you came up with. And like MJF's parents are who I know support him because they go to the shows and stuff, but like they gotta be sitting there like, what the fuck happened to our kid? Like that he's coming up with these stories. Like, what the hell? We raised a nice little kid and the, these are this is messed up. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyways, I so, so overall, Jeremy, like, would you say that, because I, I get what you're saying too. You can do this within a wrestling context and not take it into like the real world and tell a story like this. You can do it within wrestling, but I mean, overall, like, do you think this, 
I feel like it's a win for MJF that people are even like talking about it, getting fired up about it. And like, they hate him even more because of it. I feel like that's like a win across the board. I mean, yeah, but like, I already didn't like MJF. So like, I already thought he was just, Oh, this person sucks. So him telling the story is like, Oh, now I really hate MJF. Like I, it doesn't, it doesn't make me hate him anymore. Honestly, it did. It did feel a little bit. And I've, this is my issue sort of with MJF promos is it felt a little like low hanging fruit. Let's just go with, you know, what, what can, what's the most disgusting story I can tell to get people against me. And it's like, this is just another version of that. And it works for him. It clearly, clearly works for him, but that stuff just doesn't, it doesn't always, it doesn't work for me as just like, Oh, I dislike this guy even more. Now it's like, no, I already just kind of, you're already a piece of shit in my eyes. And now like you, you still are, that's all it is. It just, it keeps the heat on him, which is good. I get that. I think there are just sort of better ways to to do this. Honestly, I, I think there are just better ways in a wrestling context to do this, to keep being like, Hey, you're this terrible person. I think Roman Reigns does this beautifully with, with the gaslighting that he does. Like I think he does. And it's all within wrestling context, the way he does it. I think he does it beautifully. I think sometimes MJF can just wants to go so far and push that boundaries. And I get that AEW is trying to be different with, with their content when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, so he wants to go so far and push those boundaries to really hammer that point home. And I think he's, he's good enough to where he doesn't always have to do that. I will say this is the, after this, promo this is the most i've actually felt a little bit towards mjf since he kind of knocked out regal and i wish they'd sort of do more with that i think that's actually a bigger story that they're not telling uh with, with this whole thing with danielson uh sure. but it, it's something that i haven't felt since that and when mjf is biting like this and it's not personal shots in in terms of like wrestling context of like oh your dad did drugs and this person died and, and things like that um he's very good the cm punk stuff very good like when he is telling like this sort of personal stories like this he is very good he's he's great at, he's a great storyteller and everything yeah. so i like that was very good but for me it's just like oh this piece of shit is still a piece of shit so hey look it kept it kept the heat on him in that way i just sort of think like he can just kind of, he doesn't always need this stuff. He really doesn't. I, I, I truly think better of him that he doesn't need to, to do this kind of stuff. Uh, can we keep the, uh, I, I, I'm sort of half paying attention to the chat, but dragon and, and SP three, uh, the, the, I don't think it's any type of racism or anything like that. Um, can we yeah, let's try to avoid a let's try to avoid a race war in our chat that'd be nice yeah um yeah, no, no honestly good. like sp3 is obviously one of our best friends um and like we want everyone we want everyone to be welcoming and, and cool with each other in the chat we don't want any problems with anybody so just keep it i i haven't been able to keep up with it to be honest i don't know what's going on in there i'm just kind of glancing over um but uh but yeah everyone be cool to each other in the chat we uh we do not want any problems between any of y'all or with us um, but no, I, you know, I mean, let the record show MJF when you watch this, this guy's a, this guy's a fan. I, I, I like, I like, I, I like that he's just irredeemable. I, there's honestly nothing he can do that I think would bother me. Like, I know, and there's, 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 I know he's gone kind of far on other topics that do bother people. And I, once again, I, it's not like I'm ignorant. Like I, like I understand, I just, but I also 
when I'm watching pro wrestling, most of the time, I'm just like, that's how I see it. It's like, it's, it's all fiction, you know, like, right. I'm not watching, you know, it's all, these people are just playing characters on a screen. And, and I, I get that there's low hanging fruit. There are certain topics you probably don't want to talk about and bring up and, and stuff and, or promote. I, I, well, I get it. I totally get it. But I'm also, you know, I also feel like there are plenty of shows that are for kids. Like if I want to watch like WWE, like I'm, I won't see a lot of that stuff. Or like, if I want to watch like a, a, like a PG rated show or like a G rated show or whatever, like there are programs that are like kind of for kids. And then there are programs that like, I just don't really care what they're doing. Cause I'm in it just to kind of zone out as an adult and just, you know, just take it for entertainment value. You know what I mean? Um, and I think any really any deeper into it than that. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I, how I see it is just, you know, if this was a true story, that's a different thing completely. If MJF actually had done this, then I'd be like, yo, go lock this dude up. Like, this guy shouldn't be on television. He should be in jail. But, like, clearly this is just a story for heat. But I get what you're saying, though, too, that, like, he's – there are other ways he can he can get the same kind of heat within wrestling without doing this. I, I, I get what you're saying. I think when he faces Eddie Kingston on the mic, he, he better have more than these personal stories to – for – to be you know to be looked at as irredeemable uh because eddie kingston is going to tear this man apart on the microphone yeah he better, he better he better just come with stronger material for eddie kingston i don't need the fat boy stuff i don't need the sammy guevara like he got to you kind of stuff he better come with like some actual good shit for eddie kingston sort of the cm punk feud the cm punk feud i thought was his best work Incredible. on the microphone uh Incredible. and he better come with really good stuff eddie because eddie's gonna tear this man apart um your AEW spotlight steven jensen the guns are the AEW tag team champions this was another one that people are not happy about uh i'll let you i'll let you give your thoughts on it and then i will go back to what i was saying earlier tying with the the storytelling that they're trying to do uh together here but what are your thoughts on the guns defeating the acclaimed and winning the AEW tag team titles um so there's a couple ways. Sorry, a couple ways I look at this. Um, I'll start with the positives first. It it's it's uh respectable, I guess is the right word. I'm not really sure how to put it. Interesting, intriguing. I don't know, but the the trajectory of the of the Gun Club going from like <clears throat> essentially just like Billy Gunn's kids. <clears throat> excuse me, complete jobbers. Um, you know, they were mainly in like the crowd. Like during the pandemic, they were just like, you know, part of the crowd the whole time in the front row, hyping up the other wrestlers just to keep them on screen. They'd wrestle occasionally and they'd win a lot of matches, but it mainly be on like dark or elevation or whatever. And like, um, so from that perspective of watching a team go from literally like the lowest they claimed is similar to that, but like their rise was faster. They got like really, really over. Yeah, but for the gun club to go from really kind of nobodies that were just essentially just Billy Gunn's kids to just kind of being in the crowd during the pandemic to now being the AEW tag team champions. Like there is something respectable about that and seeing AEW take an act from the bottom to the top like that all in front of our eyes. I, I do, I do like the concept of that. Um, and I do want it to happen more often because I hope it happens for, you know, guys like Darby Allen becoming world champion and stuff eventually like homegrown, 
watching watching the whole from the bottom to the top kind of story happen in front of you. Um, now the problem I have with this there's a few. One is it's clear to me, and there's there's going to be controversial. There's going to be certain people who hear me say this, and it, wrestlers included that that might check this out. They're not going to like hearing this. The the trios titles are clearly the tag team titles to have in AEW right now. Like that's oh that match last night was so good. Yeah, and they're all going to be like that with with the Young Bucks and Kenny being the champions. Like that's those are that's where, and that's the other thing. Top Flight being a part of that, and AR Fox of course. Like that's where it feels like that's where it's that's where to be. Like if you're a tag team wrestler, you find a trio, you go for those titles, you have those matches. The tag team titles seem like they're in a lull. And, and I, and it's a lot of because of that, I think, to be honest, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I think it's badass that they have these trio titles because it, it's been really, really good matches and storytelling in, in these, in everything that has to do with the trios belts up to this point. But I had the fear when they created those titles, that this would happen to the tag team titles. And I think it's pretty clear when you went from like, and I know that people get trickled back in and FTR, I'm sure, will return soon enough. And that'll probably be the big feudal for... I think FTR will probably get the titles off the gun club, is my guess. But it's when the landscape, you know, was, you know, the, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, Proud and Powerful, um, Lucha Source and Jungle Boy, um, Top Flight. Uh, Best um, Friends. The Lucha Bros. I might have said them right. Huh? Best friends. Best friends, right. I mean, all these, I'm sure I said Young Bucks. Or that should have been the first team I said. But all these teams, it's like that was the tag team division. It was ultra stacked. Now it feels like most of the people that I just mentioned are doing trio stuff. And the tag division is like the acclaimed, who I think are still in the process of like, like they're definitely over, but they're about to be at a crossroads soon of like, Daddy ass is turning. It's just a matter of time. He's going back to his kids. I don't. I if they were going to do it, they would have just done it last night, though. I figured they would have, but now I think Billy's going to be disappointed that they aren't the champions anymore, or something like. I think. I think there will be always going to be a rematch where he turns. I think, and the and and so it's like they're going to be this crossroads where it's like whether he turns or not. Honestly, they're at a crossroads because the the scissor me daddy ass stuff is only going to be over for so long. The matches, I think, will continue to be good, but they have to have good opponents also. And we're in a landscape now where the Gun Club is the tag team champions, which they're not... I'm just going to keep it real. There's probably... I, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's at least 10, maybe 15 tag teams that AEW has, has access to that are better than the Gun Club. And, and, they're, and they're the tag team champions of, in my opinion, the best professional wrestling organization in the world. So, like, that's that's where I start having issues where it's like we're at a point where the gun club are the tag are the tag champions and all your good tag quote unquote good tag teams are like doing trios instead. It feels like, and you know, and I think FTR versus gun club could be good, but they need, I don't know. They need, they need to do something for their tag team division. They need to either sign more tag teams to, to come in as just tag teams, or they need to focus more on, on elevating other tag. They, they need to get their work horsemen involved. They have Anthony Henry and JD Drake available. Like they need to get them, pushed on tv as a tag team like they need to they need to get access to vif balances forever they need to start getting these tag teams like from the indies and stuff and like rebuild their tag division if they're going to focus so heavily on the trios in my opinion so that, that's kind of in a nutshell kind of how i feel about all of it happy for the gun club to see their rise like it's good for them but 
concerned about the, the current tag team division. And it's pretty clear that trio is just where it's at right now, in my opinion. A very good point about the, the trios because yeah, most of the seems like most of the teams that you would want in this position are not in this position because they are doing trios. I mean, you look at who uh, the acclaimed face after they, they won the titles, they did like the, the three-way match against private party and, and butcher and blade, which, and that was their first offense. Nobody actually thought Butcher Blade Private Party were going to win. And that they did the, the thing with the trademark with like Nice and Woods and like, all right, that was, but like, again, nobody really thought that was going to be anything. The match at, at full gear was, was Swerving Our Glory was good, but that was more about Swerving Our Glory, like their stuff and them like not being able to coexist. And it was about like, the acclaimed out to prove anything. The FTR match was good because it was champions and, and champions and everything. So that had something behind it. And then they did the, the two shots with lethal and Jarrett who had just lost to sting and Darby. Like they weren't presented as, as threats. And then now they're, and that was way better than it had any right to be, by the way. Oh, the matches like, were good. Like, yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I won't mock any of the matches. Like all, look, all these guys are talented. They have great wrestling matches. I'm talking about from like a story. Perspective. Sure. I, you know, I got you, it was for sure. It was, you know, it was what it was. And then the gun club stuff, okay, gun club, there was a story there. I understand that. And that that's my, the point I'm going to make here is they're clearly telling a story with the gun club. And it looks like they're going with FTR and, and FTR is going to come back and they're going to beat the gun club. And that's going to be the story that they're going to tell when it comes to all of this. Um, I'll, I'll make another, another point about who I actually think it should be over FTR uh, here in a second. But that's the story that they're going to tell. And a lot of times when it comes to AEW, it will be a fan service promotion. And this is not a bad thing, mind you. I'm not trying to say this is bad at all. Uh, the acclaimed, I don't think they were like petering out or anything. The fact that they were kind of in the feuds that they were in and still like getting the reactions they were getting and were still as hot as they were. I still, I think showed there was plenty of life left in the acclaimed. Um, and they, they should have ran with it longer and I think that that's clearly what the fans want. The fans don't want Gun Club uh, as the champions, but they're trying to tell a story with Gun Club. And I think sometimes, much like it is with with Sammy, Roman, Cody, like there's something to be said about just like, hey, let's just give the fans what they want and let's create the moment and everything. And then there's something to be said of let's tell a story that they're going to tell. And the story that they're going to tell is gun clubs winning, not the most deserving team, not the best team. Excalibur said it last night of like all these great tag teams in AW, the guns are our champions. Like get not the most deserving, not the best. It's just, they have found themselves in this position and now they are the champions and that's where they're going. And I think FTR will do it. There's nothing wrong with telling the stories you need to tell. Um, but in, in the, in this case, you know, the acclaim probably should have just, kept the titles and you figure out a different story that that would have been better because last night i think that uh last night i it didn't quite i don't know if it hit the reaction they they wanted it to hit it was more like indifference anger than it was like upset like shocked like oh no this is bad like in a in a good way for the company like people were especially after the show that they had with all those great matches it was just like deflating on everything. And it, it, I don't think it was the right kind of deflating. We'll see where it goes. Again, we all think it's going to FTR. Here's my pitch, though. It should not go to FTR. That should not be who takes the titles off of um, off of the guns. Because one, I don't know how long. FTR said April. Revolution's in March. So you got to do something in, in March. 
uh, I I assume like a claimed rematch. Here's who I would go with in March, though. Steven Jensen, Sting, Darby Allen take the titles off of the guns. That's what should happen at Revolution. And then FTR oh, okay. can come back and Sting and Darby Allen finally got to lose at some point. FTR can can beat them. That, that's a rematch from Grand Slam a few years ago that Sting was very happy with. And Dax has told the story about, about how Sting loved that match and how they wanted to make Sting look good in that match and everything. I think it'd be a nice little favor uh, if Darby and Sting, their first loss does go to FTR. Um, but I, I think Sting and Darby Allen should beat the gun club and beat them at Revolution. I love that idea. I do. I The thing, the thing is, right, like FTR is one of the best tag teams in the world, arguably the best. I, they're up there, right? They're in the conversation, best current day, one of the best of all time. I have no problem with them being the AEW tag team champions. As a matter of fact, they probably should have been the AEW tag team champions for like a while. Like while they had all those other titles, they probably should have also been the AEW tag team champions. Um, we also have Matt Kuhn on the creator spotlight in a little bit in charge yes. here. Obviously big FTR guys over here. Um, but they're like, FTRs, I feel like FTR has so established that they're they're always going to be credible as being that type of team. Um, so I'm with you. Like, if they're going to go with Dar- Darby and Singh as the tag team champions, if it's going to happen, it should probably happen soon. Because we don't know how much longer we got Sting because he's already talking about his retirement plan and the stories they have planned out for it and stuff. So, like, honestly, man, I'm with you. I, I feel like FTR makes the most sense because I feel like that's where the story is heading. But I'd be totally fine with the scenario, especially if FTR is going to be away for a while. I don't know how, how long they're going to be off, but if they want to take... They said April. You know, they said April. They said April. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it, good, that could be, you know, that's when their contracts are reportedly up and they haven't decided if they're going back to AEW, WWE could make an offer type of thing. Dax, if you listen to his podcast, he, he gives an update seemingly every week at this point. But the latest was... April don't know what they're actually going to do. So it is possible that, Hey, WWE swoops in and we don't get FTR at all. This is why I would just go with Sting and Darby at revolution. And then if you get FTR to come back, great. They can, they can beat Sting and Darby. And if you don't get FTR, all right, figure out a team to beat Sting and Darby, go with the acclaimed, go back to the acclaimed at that point, then whatever you got to do. But I think Sting and Darby, I I just want the titles on Sting and Darby. If I'm going to be honest. Would you be okay with the scenario? And not this isn't always this maybe not the best idea because in pro wrestling it's usually better to like go out, you know, on your back looking at the lights, putting someone over and all that stuff. But would you be okay with the scenario where Sting and Darby win the tag team titles and Sting just retires? Like it's just like retires on top. Like uh. him because because the, the the only reason I say this, Jeremy, is because if Sting isn't gonna do a singles match, which is what it sounds like, because the obvious one is to do Sting and Darby and have Darby beat Sting on in Sting's last match. That would be like the, the preferred story, I feel like. But yeah. but if Sting can't do a singles match and you can't get Sting and Darby, you know what I mean? I just kind of feel like the best way for him to go out would just be the two of them winning the tag team tag team titles and Sting just being like, We did it. I never thought like, you know. Like I think he kind of just passes along to Darby, and it's like I don't I don't know what you do from there. Maybe Darby finds another partner or something, or I don't know. Or, or, or is it the best idea to have Sting lose his last match and, and lose the tag team titles? You know, maybe that is the best option. I I just feel like it, this might be a little bit of an an untraditional kind of route we go because if Sting can't have a singles match, it's just kind of you know what I mean. Like because that that seems like that'd be the obvious route would be Sting and Darby, but I, I don't know if he can do that or not. 
I think Sting can do a singles match against against Darby. Honestly, I think I think he can too. I just it sounds like he doesn't like he like it's not in the plans, is what it seems like. It, see, t- but... to me, it doesn't need to be like somebody turns on somebody. It could just be like, hey, sort of like Muda is doing. It's like yeah. this is my last match. This is who I want to face let's fucking go type of thing. Like you don't need this big elaborate. Oh, is thing gonna, uh, is there going to be a turn? Why did Darby turn on him? Now they have this rivalry to settle. Sting has earned the right. He's a legend enough to where he can just be like, this is the last match that I want to do. It's similar to, to Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. I know Ric Flair was, uh, you know, Oh, if I lose, this is going to be it. But there was no real heat of like, I hate Shawn Michaels type of thing. The heat was all flair right. being like, come up to my level and fucking fight me. And this is how I want to go out type of thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, that's once again, in a perfect world, that's exactly how I would, how it would play out for me it would be exactly that there is no turn. And we get sting and Darby one-on-one Darby beats sting clean. They hug and like, you know, that's yeah. it. Like sting, but, you know, and then, yeah, sting can do whatever he wants for the rest of his life. He can, you can continue to be an ambassador for AEW and do their autograph signing and show up to the shows and, he wants to go back to WWE and do a Legends deal or something. Do whatever he wants. Like, Sting has earned the right to do whatever he wants going forward. But I think we all need to really, whether you're a newer fan or an older fan, really appreciate what we're seeing out of this dude in his 60s going out there. Like, he shows out every time he's out there. He has earned his spot on that AEW roster. Um, and I, I I just think it's really damn cool, especially with how he was treated in the WWE in that, in that run there. Like, this, if that would have been the end of Sting's career, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me, but this is, this is how you go out. If you're staying like, this has been an awesome run in my opinion. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for that idea, Jeremy. I I'm with you. I think Sting and Darby should be the, uh, sorry, should be the gun club for, uh, for the tag titles. I'm fucking brilliant. Steven Jensen. Let's move on to our other spot. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. And we ain't talking about that. Uh, Jay White and Hikaleu uh, face in a loser leaves Japan match. Uh, in New Japan, new beginning this weekend. A lot of rumors and speculation with uh, Jay White and Hikaleu that WWE is interested in both men. Uh, we know that Jay White will face Eddie Kingston at New Japan Battle in the Valley. So if he is leaving, he's leaving Japan if he loses this match. He's not leaving New Japan, uh, at least not yet. Um, so he will at least do the match at New Japan Battle in the Valley. After that, we shall see. There's also the speculation that WWE is interested in Hikaleu. And so that puts an interesting twist of maybe Hikaleu will lose this match. Where do you think this match is going, Jensen? Who do you think will actually be leaving Japan? Um, That's a good question because I, I honestly see both leaving New Japan soon. So like, I just a matter of like who, who, when's it, who goes first, I guess. Um, I think Hikaleu makes a ton of sense for the WWE system. Um, I think Jay White. I think he could. I think he'd be really successful in the WWE. I think he'd be successful really anywhere. Selfishly, I think he'd be a better fit probably in AEW. But, um, but there's not as much of a if 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 Jay White can get over in the WWE system and they'll push him, he could be really 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 successful there because he's still young, good looking guy, great in the ring, super charismatic, and the WWE audience has never seen him before. He'd be something brand new to them. Um, Hikaleo obviously has a size. He has like the family lineage and stuff. I think WWE would treat him well. Um, 
isn't there also rumors like Tomatonga could be going soon and stuff? I mean, so that's a rumor. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd imagine, I mean, I remember Camacho was there previously. Everyone forgets that. Remember, uh, uh, Tongaloa when he was Camacho yeah. back in the day, yeah. riding the little bicycle <laughs> with the pegs, um, with, uh, with, uh, Sin Cara too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man. So I, I, I guess as far as a prediction, I'm going to take Jay White to win. Okay. Um, mainly because it's Jay. Like, I just don't see him losing to Hikaleu in New Japan. This is just one on one. I just don't see it. I just, I just don't see that happening. That and would I think be... both are leaving. I mean, if look, if Jay White is losing this match, then I think he's done with with New Japan. I agree. Like, done, done. Yeah. I don't think this is a thing of like, hey, I'm gonna do New Japan America uh, type of thing because to go from literally main eventing Wrestle Kingdom and. You, you lose to Okada, fine. You lose to Okada. But to go from that to, to losing to Hikaleo, yeah, this would be the way to, to get him off. I, I think that I'm kind of with you. That That's a that's a steep drop. And it makes sense for for the Jay White story. He, he blames Hikaleo for everything because Jay White is always going to blame everybody else except himself. Um, so, so it makes sense of why Hikaleo would be the one to beat. I kind of think Tamatanga would make a little bit more sense than Jay, but what can you do? Uh I, I think Jay's winning this, and I think Ikaleu is probably done and probably headed to WWE. That's how I feel. That's how I feel as well. By the way, Jeremy, I know I don't have like a hard out because of my I'm not working today, but um, I don't know how long you're. I don't know how long you have. So, um, however fast you need oh. to go through the the next few topics, just we're good. I, I I do need to get on the road. I have a long drive ahead of me, but I don't want to slow the momentum down. Okay, cool. I'm going to say, like, I've got all the time in the world today. So, like, I just, I know normally right now we'd be wrapping the show up, but, um, but, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So, I'm, but yeah, we're, so we're both going to take Jay White over Hikaleu, and we both yeah. are predicting that Hick- this isn't a report. We don't know. This is speculation, but I'm, I'm assuming that, and when you assume, you can ask that to you and me. I'm assuming that Hikaleu is going to wind up at the WWE soon. That's my guess. Yeah. Uh, the other other spotlight is New Japan and Impact. They're running a show, WrestleMania weekend. The the Forbidden Door, I think they call it the Multiverse. The Multiverse Door mm-hmm. is open, and the matches that have been announced are Moose against Jeff Cobb, Josh Alexander against Kushida, and Will Ospreay against Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh, oh, that match, that match, Steven Jensen, Mike Bailey, an insane person, by the way, wrestling Vikingo. Uh, Osprey and Kotobushi within like a 24 hour span. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Badass. Speedball's a man, dude. And he's like, yeah. he's, he's the, he's like the hot ticket right now, it feels like, as far as. This show is sponsored by Better Help. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. 
You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., wrestlers wanting to wrestle someone like if you, you know what i mean he's like he's on everyone's list as far as you you know you want to have a banger once again i'll go back to another out another out pricism uh if you want to have a banger you gotta you gotta you gotta have at least one match with speedball because you're guaranteed a banger yeah um yeah he uh i mean and obviously i Will Ospreay might be the best wrestler in the entire world right now. Like legitimately in ring. The the consistency of him having matches that are just can't miss. Or especially if you're a Meltzer fan, like which I am. But, you know, I don't really pay too close attention to the star ratings and that kind of stuff. But Osprey gets like four or five stars, I feel like, in everything he does. So it's like this guy is just consistent as hell when it comes to just great matches. So... Osprey and, and Speedball, I have really, really high hopes for, and I know the wrestling fans do as well. And I completely expect them to blow it out of the park or blow it out of the water, knock it out of the park, however you want to say it. Those guys are going to, I'm actually going to rule. Um, the other stuff that you mentioned, uh, you got Josh Alexander and Kushida. That's another great match. I'd assume the Impact title's on the line for that. I don't know if they announced that or not, but um regardless that's going to be a great match because she is always going to have a solid performance and josh alexander i say under the radar only because impact in general is under the radar but he under the radar had probably the best 2022 of any wrestler you know speedball i think because mainly a lot of it was on the indies and also an impact but speedball i think had the best collection of matches of any wrestler in 2022 but josh alexander was consistently great and has made that has has added a new level of credibility in my opinion to the impact world championship and not only that he did it after really no one had a damn clue what his career was going to look like when ethan page left impact and the north split up and it's like the way that he has just become the man in impact has been i have huge 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 respect for josh alexander um so yeah that's going to be great and then you mentioned moose and jeff cobb and that's going to be just, that's like the hoss fight of this where the two guys are going to beat the hell out of each other and Jeff Cobb's going to show his strength and, and Moose 
love him or hate him, Moose has gotten a lot better in the ring over the years. Um, he's always been an athletic guy, but like he's really put it all together, in my opinion. I thought his match with Joe Hendry at the last uh, Impact paper he was really, really good. Um, so, by the way, Joe Hendry, that that guy's just a, a, a total like what a what a pleasant win for Impact. How he's turned out for them, I feel like they got a, a star in him too and stuff. So there's. I'm I'm looking forward to this Impact in New Japan show. Uh, they've they've already put together really good stuff, and uh, and yeah, I mean the more Forbidden Door type stuff we can get, this one's going to be Multiverse United, I believe, yeah, um, or Multiverse, however you say it. So yeah, this is a this is good stuff. And I see in the chat, Joel Pearl asked if we were going to talk about Nuff said. Initially, we were. I was going to actually that was going to be mine, and then Multiverse got announced, and we me and Jamie both God. agreed. This is Thank God. Listen, hey, shout out to our boy Fodder. Shout out to our girl Angelina Love. They're going to yes. be performing at, at NWA. Nuff said, um, Fodder, I believe he's got a Singapore Kane match against Tom Latimer, I think is what they're doing. Um, and Angelina Love in an ODQ match against Camille uh, for the NWA Women's Championship, which I think is the biggest threat to Camille's championship in a long time, honestly. So um, I do want to say that. It's not, it's not all bad in the NWA. Like, I am going to defend them to a degree. One, there are one out of things... 15. One out of 15. I'm just saying. So there, like there's Russell your Westbrook enough said talk. Three. Dude, you're telling me. I've taken that guy in prize picks a few times and just regretted the oh, hell out of it. That guy. I can not tell me. you. And, 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 yeah. yeah, no. I'll, yeah, I know. I've only done it. I've only made that mistake a couple of times. But, um, but, I, but if you want if you want more enough said talk, by the way, I do predictions on the weekender. So check out the most recent episode of the weekender on Fightful Select. And uh, I do full uh, full enough said. Well, I say I do enough said predictions for the matches that were announced at that. All right, Jensen, that's enough said about enough said. Uh, just muted you. That's how we roll. I, hey, say, you know, I can get... unmute myself. Yeah, I, I know you actually have control today, so. this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to whatever the women's match is for, for the New Japan Impact show. I imagine there will be one. Uh, you know, Impact has a, a ton of, of great women that they could put yeah. out there. And New Japan, they got the stardom partnership. There's the rumors, the innuendo. Is Mercedes going to do a match on this show? Could we get Mercedes against Mickey? Could we get Mercedes against Diana or Jordan? I don't know Masha. if she's going to be working. Right, Masha. Yep. I don't know if she's gonna be working WrestleMania weekend, but it's possible. It's possible. They throw it out there. Kyrie is obviously another another one that could be working this show. So I'm very interested to see what the the women's match ends up being for this show. I think you have to you have to have one. You have to do one Impact uh, Stardom women's match. I, I it's a missed opportunity if you don't because the the Impact roster is certainly deep enough to do something. And I assume the Stardom women will will come over and they would want to do something so i think you got to do something i'm not getting my hopes up i don't know what mercedes is gonna is uh is like her full full full-on schedule type of thing and if she deems uh like this impact new japan show like worth it for her we shall see i wonder how open new japan would be to doing like an intergender type match like just from the perspective of like jordan grace like oh i I think think i think they would do it they, yeah, they like, did uh, it with uh, um, they did it with the the historic crossover show. They they had intergender that's matches right. on that's that right. show. So yeah, that's yeah, right. You're right. Um, I think may I'd like to see Jordan Grace wrestle one of the dudes from New Japan. I think that'd be that'd be badass. Same with Masha. I'd be fine with that too. Like so, I mean, just give me something different for for Jordan and for Masha. Just give me like give me like Masha versus Ishii. You know what I mean? Like like I'd be down for oh, something like uh, that. You know like. 
Because people don't understand, Masha goes out there and beats the hell out of people on the Indies. Like, yeah. and we've seen it in Impact too. But like, like I, Masha dishes it, and so does Jordan. So like, I, I, and I, I'd like to see Mickey involved too. Of course, being the 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 Knockouts champion. Um. So like, I know I'm I'm all for it. But dude, give me like Masha Slamovich versus Tomohiro Ishii or something like that, or Jordan Grace versus Tomohiro Ishii. Like, give me give me something like that. Like, I just. I think that'd just be badass to get just a match that I feel like I would, just would never see elsewhere. You definitely wouldn't be seeing Masha Slamovich and Tomohiro Ishii anywhere else. So, and look, okay. So when you said intergender, I'm thinking they did the mixed tag matches for a historic crossover. I don't know if they would go full on of like, Hey, let's have Ishii wrestle Jordan Grace or anything like that. That I don't know if they would do, they would certainly do like a mixed tag match or something. If they, if they wanted to go that route. Sure. Well, yeah, we can, we, Get, get get the but to your point they need to get the women involved like the impact women's roster is stacked and then you have a lot of a lot of attention right now with Kyrie and mercedes like so the, you gotta you gotta do something with that yeah. i agree let's move on to our indie spotlights i'm gonna give a big motherfucking shout out big motherfucking shout out to jcw jersey jacob that is this saturday february 11th uh, it'll air on Fight Plus. It's two two events. It's all on the same day, but it's like two sessions uh, as the Jersey J-Cup. And you've got Speedball Mike Bailey against Jonathan Gresham in the first round. Ares and Commander, Blake Christian, Alec Price. we got a scramble match featuring Marcus Mathers, Dante Leon, Dylan McKay, Jack Cartwheel, Cole Radrick, and Yoya. Charles Mason against Billy Starks. Jordan Oliver against Alex Shelley. Joey Janela against Starboard Charlie. Leo Rush against Tony Deppin. A big card, a stacked 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 tournament jensen who's your prediction to win this man that's tough because you can't can't really do like bracketology for it because it's like the way that it's laid out you know what i mean because i don't think they have it in a they don't have it in like a bracket right it's just like they announce all the matches no they that's they got a bracket do they have an actual bracket put together for this thing yeah hold on a second i'll pull it up i'll pull it up talk talk i'll pull up the bracket well i need to see the bracket before i talk because i haven't seen the bracket yet I know that they. Let me save the, the image. I thought you knew the bracket. What kind of Mickey no, Mouse I operation know. are we running here? I know that I know I have all the matches that you just said, and I know they promoted like a March Madness type thing for yes. them. They call March Madness I'm, Weekend. All right, look at your screen, Jensen. Bam, bracket. Okay, see, I didn't. I completely missed the bracket somehow. Sorry, guys. Okay, well, let's look at this. Let's do. Let's do bracketology right now. Me and you. This is perfect because okay. I'm I'm coming in fresh on this. All right, we'll we'll, we'll switch off on uh, who picks first here. All right, um, Speedball and uh, Gresham. Uh, Jeremy, you go first on this one. You got. It. I think Speedball's winning this. I'm gonna go Speedball also. Um, a resin commander. Dude, this one rules. I'm gonna go commander here, but like Arez has looked great too. But commander's been doing some next level like Bikingo type stuff lately. Um, so we're both taking commander there. Yeah. Um, Blake Christian Alf Price, who you got? Price. I think Price needs it a lot more. Blake's like Blake gets heavily pushed though in GCW, and this is like the but yeah, I'm gonna go Alf Price also. I, I he could he could really use that. That's a, that'd be a that, that match is gonna be great. Uh, the scramble match. Um, I I'm gonna go with our boy Cole Radrick in the scramble. How about you? I think Marcus Mathers. I'm pulling for Cole. I'm, I'm yeah. I think Marcus. Mathers. I'm pulling for all these guys. Everyone in this match rules. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Cole in that one. Um, 
Charles Mason and Billy Starks. I got to go. I want Billy to win, but I, I got to go Charles just because he's like, he's a real, like he's a huge part of, of like JCW. And like, I just feel like he's in a, he'll, he has a story, I think kind of built into this. So okay. um, I'll, I'll go Charles. I'm going to go Charles. But once again, like hearts with Billy, but I'm going to go Charles. Um, Jordan Oliver and Alex Shelley, who you got? Oliver. Yeah, I'm going to take, take J.O. also. That's Man, that's a tough one because Alex is so OG. But, like, I'm going to go. Th- this is a real opportunity to, like, highlight, highlight, like, you know, put over some talent that, you know, against talent that might be more established. Yeah. Um, Joey Janelle and Starboy Charlie. See, like, same kind of thing. I guess by the same logic, I'd want to go with Starboy. Um, and Joey's the kind of guy that would definitely put him over. Like, he loves doing that kind of stuff. So I'll go Starboy. What about you? Same. And then um, Leo Rush and Tony Deppin. I'm actually going to take Leo in that one. What about you? Leo. Yeah. Leo. Okay. So then second round, um, we got Speedball versus Commander. Um, I'll say Speedball uh, advances there as well. I think Speedball as well. Okay. Then we would have Alec Price and um, you would, we'd either have Cole Radrick or Marcus Mathers. Um, either way, I'd, I'd probably take Alec to advance. So it'd be Alec and Mike Bailey in the next round. What about you? I, I think Alec would, would win this one as well. And then we'd have Charles Mason and Jordan Oliver. Um, I'm going to actually say, man, see, like, I'd love to, I prefer Jordan Oliver here as well, but like, I just watch a lot of JCW and stuff and like Mason's just so involved, but I don't know. There could be run-ins and stuff that could, that could take him out of this too. I'm going to say Jordan Oliver advances. Uh, see, I thought you were going to take Mason and I was going to take Oliver. Um, yeah. I, Cause I, I think, I think Jordan Oliver too. Yeah. We'll, we'll both take Oliver there. See, the thing is, I think at some point, like, like there will be some run-ins that might cost Mason. Cause he has a lot of big time enemies that could get involved in this stuff. Um, we got uh we'd have Starboy Charlie and Leo Rush. That'd be a that'd be a banger. Um, who you got in that one? I think Leo. And now thinking they might do Leo and Janela again. That's a long standing rivalry on the independent. Yeah. And now that would back at this. I think I think Leo, regardless whether it's Starboy or it's Janela, I think Leo wins. I'm with you. I'm with you on all that. So we'll say we got Leo in the semis then. Um, so our semifinals, we would have on the left side, Alec Price versus Speedball, Mike Bailey. Who you got there? I think Speedball. Yeah, I think Speedball would have to, would have to be in the, man, Alec could really use that though. He really could. Let me look at the right side. On the right side, we'd have Leo and, um, Jordan Oliver. Man, honestly, I would do Leo. Sorry, I would do Jordan Oliver versus Alec Price in the finals, and I'd have Alec win the whole thing personally. That okay. that's going to be my pick. What about you? I think it's going to be Speedball and Jordan, and I think Jordan wins the whole thing. I don't I like think it. they're going to do. I don't think they're going to have established name win this thing. I think they're going to go with someone who isn't Speedball or Gresham or Janela or Shelly. Those are, if you look at the, this tournament or Leo, like those are the names of like, Oh, these guys have been in television companies type of thing. These, the other guys really haven't. And if they have, it's been, you know, very more of the low level kind of stuff. So I think they're going to go with somebody who is a little bit less established. If you look at the history of the J cup, they've had a lot of top talent compete in this thing. 
the top talent typically doesn't win it. And granted, it's been nine years, like the the landscape of independent. Uh, it's been eleven years actually. Uh, the the landscape of independent wrestling has changed a lot since uh, the last Jacob. But they typically go with someone who is not quite as established. Yes. So I like that. I I, I like I like all these options um, that we've thrown out there. But yeah, I'll go I'll go with Alec Price when the whole thing. And if he if he does it the way that we're thinking, he it'd be like. It'd be a huge tournament for him. He'd beat Blake Christian. He'd beat uh, whoever came out of the scramble match. He'd most likely beat Speedball, and then he'd beat probably like Jordan Oliver or Leo Rush or someone like that. I mean, like that's that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a hell like, of a tournament. Yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna use this to like really establish somebody in JCW, and and Jordan is the guy I think they're gonna go with. Uh, if you want yeah. more on on the Jacob, again, you can watch it uh, this Saturday. It's on Fight Plus. I did interviews with Billy Starks. Jordan Oliver, Joey Janela, Starboy Charlie, and our guy Cole Radrick. Uh did, did interviews with with all of them. And you can you can check them all out on Fightful Overbook. They're not all running this week. Uh Jordan Oliver is up now. That's on FightfulOverbook.com. Joey Janela just went up today. The Janela interview is outrageous for a number of reasons. Uh, but he he does talk some Kota Ibushi, some spring break and things like that. It's not strictly these interviews are not strictly J Cup based. There's a lot to a lot more to them about like their careers and their yo-yo as well as another person that, that I interviewed apologies uh, to yo-yo. He's wearing a sweet stone cold university shirt during our interview. Nice. Um, so I did interviews with all those guys. Again, you can learn more about them. You can learn more about, about the J cup through those interviews as well, but you know, go support some, some independent wrestling and some independent wrestlers out there. And I appreciate, I appreciate uh, JCW for giving me just like, they just threw everybody at me. Uh, on Monday, they're like, "Hey, do you want all these people?" I was like, "Yeah, just feed feed me all these people and let's go. Let's do these interviews." So everybody can can go check out those interviews. Yeah, Jeremy's Jeremy's messaging me this stuff, and I'm sitting there at my shoot job, just like, "Ugh, I want to be in these <laughs> interviews, but I can't." That was that was that that hurt. But hey, we'll hopefully get all of them or most of them on like a like a full spotlight interview sometime soon. Um, we've had Cole a few times, of course, but. Um, well, Cole, yeah. Cole was the funniest one because they're like, do you want to interview Cole? I was like, I don't know if Cole wants to talk to me. Like we've, we talked so many times, like, I don't know if Cole wants to do an interview. He's probably like, oh, I'm sick of this dude. And then, you know, nice. I tell Cole, like, I'll do like 20 minutes. And then we went like 35 Cole, of course. Fantastic. As always. He's yeah. like, oh yeah, you and Jensen, you guys are the homies. And I was like, Hey, send me a good message of like, I can just be like, Hey, yeah. S Jensen sent a, ro- a write-in question. <laughs> so I was like, this yeah. comes from an S Jensen. And then it was about football. So Cole, obviously always great. All of them, I thought went really well. And I think I'm a terrible interviewer and I don't think I'm very good. At nah. But everybody was, was great. And uh, I really appreciate all the time that they gave to me. Look at this guy. Now, this is going. This is going on the wall behind me somewhere. He made. He made. He made my my big wall. So I just got to put it up. All right. Last. Last one. Stephen Jensen. Paul London is back. He was at uh, AIW this this past weekend, competing in for the Absolute Intent Championship in a match that featured uh, Derek Dillinger, Joey Janela, Paul London, and I have completely blanked on the last person, and I apologize for that. I'm, I'm looking it up. Was right Wes now. Barkley in there? Uh, yes, Wes Barkley. Yeah, apologies to uh, Maserati Wes. Uh, yeah, Derek Dillinger, Janela, London, Wes Barkley for the in- Absolute Intense title. Uh, that is on, I believe AIW's on Fight Now uh, as well. Yeah, AIW's on yeah, Fight, Fight Plus, Plus as well, yeah. so Look, man, it, it was cool to see Paul London back in there. Uh, still an absolute madman. That he took a, a suplex bump 
where it landed right on his neck. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is please don't die, Paul London, all over again. And from what I've heard, from what he said, it's not even from what I've heard, from what he said, like he wants to continue to keep doing more independent shots. He he was off for a while, and now he was back doing AIW. I think, um, so this is part of my conversation with Janela that everybody could watch, is Janela's like a big fan of, of Paul London. And he was like, I want to help him out as much as he can, any bookings that he wants to take. I want to, you know, get him those bookings and stuff. I think we're going to see a decent amount of Paul London WrestleMania weekend. I love that. I've always been a big Paul London guy. Um, he was one of the first like true independent talents that I really got behind as a fan and really rallied to like to want to see him in the WWE and then you know, eventually made it. And I thought he had like he could have been a lot bigger in the WWE. It's just it was like the goofy personality and I guess like rubbing people the wrong way and stuff like probably cost him in a lot of ways and being associated with Kendrick, who also would carry a lot of heat. They, they just they were immature, bad timing for a lot of their career when it came to a lot of stuff. It just is what it is. But in the ring, Paul London has always been like a real innovator. He, yeah. The first time I saw his shooting star press, I was blown away because I was like, up to that point in my life, I'd really only seen like Billy Kidman do it, who did kind of the the sketchy version of it where he it always looked a little bit off and sometimes he'd like land on people's heads and stuff with his knees or like he'd hit the ropes on the way down or something. It was always real sketchy and I'd seen Liger do it, but I'd also seen Liger botch it before where like he landed on his neck and stuff. Paul London was the first guy I ever saw do a shooting star press that instead of doing like the, uh, give me a little rainy savage here. Instead of doing like the, uh, like the full on, like the way, the way that like, uh, the way that like Kidman would do it, I got a little kid. Where's my Kidman figure? I actually, I got one around here somewhere. He would, he would, uh, you know, he'd jump up and just, just a spin. Paul London would jump up, tuck. You can't do it with this figure. It's a bad example, but he would tuck like mid air and then go, which I'd never seen before where he'd, he'd go like, instead of just like a fluid motion, he'd go up, then tuck his knees mid air and do this. Like it, it just looks so much cleaner. And he looked like he was getting so much air and, uh, I've just always been really impressed with Paul London's athleticism, his, his innovativeness. Um, he's a guy that I think really should have accomplished a lot more in the WWE system. Uh, and uh, he looked great in the AIW match. I mean, he looks a little older. He's wearing like the full on like evil Knievel gear or whatever that is. But was, like, he was kind of wearing that. Gear. Yeah, he was kind of wearing that in like uh, Lucha Underground though. So that was yeah, like, no, no, for sure. I, yeah, for sure, for sure. When he was a part of the uh, what do they call it? the the Bunny Tribe or whatever that thing the, was called? I, it was the White Rabbit, Rabbit Tribe, tribe. Was it? White yeah. Rabbit, yeah, yeah. Um, That's why people thought it was like Karrion Cross as the White Rabbit in WWE because he was that person in uh, Lucha Underground. Right, right. So, um, so yeah, but he he looked really good in this match, and I I could definitely see him doing more uh more matches going forward. AIW is a good a, a great independent promotion. Uh, and uh, I mean like after so like they had that, and then the the, the main event of that show because I, I watched that show on Fight Plus. The main event of that one was Joshua Bishop and uh Filthy Tom Lawler, and they had a fucking war those two yeah. guys um and after the match it was established that it's going to be uh the next the next title match for for that the absolute championship that bishop has is going to be uh bishop versus cardona versus isaiah broner triple threat and maserati west is going to be taking on filthy tom at the next show because filthy tom cost maserati in that intense title match so 
AEW set up a lot of really good stuff going forward, coming off of this show. And uh, yeah, good for Paul London. I, I want to see more Paul London. I think he still has more to uh, to contribute to the wrestling uh, wrestling community. And I still occasionally see him on like, uh, I'll see like random clips on YouTube of him talking to um, Rene Dupree and stuff. On yeah, he's podcast. on that podcast all the time. Yeah. So I, he's always been a really interesting guy. I used to do, and I mean, I'll admit, I used to watch their old, his old shoot interviews and stuff with Kendrick too, where they're just talking a whole, whole bunch of crazy shit. You know, so it's like, I've always followed Paul in his career. He's always been interesting to me. I I want to make this clear too, just so nobody lumps this in. And I also want to make it clear that I'm Jewish. So like no one would expect this, but like, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that Brian Kendrick has said about certain stuff. I want to make that really, really clear. Like I don't agree with, you know, y'all know what I'm saying when I bring this up. Um, but like the two of them are very closely linked, London and Kendrick. So a lot of my memories yeah. of the two of them, it's going to be the two of them together. So that's, that's why I say the stuff that I say. I just want to put that out there. So Yeah. Um, as, as far as Paul London goes, it was great to see him back from everything I've heard from him. It does sound like that he like wants to like give back to, uh, independent wrestling and to like the younger talent and help like young talent and things like that. So he seems very, it doesn't seem like he's just coming back of like, Oh, let me remind people of who I am, get a paycheck and and do all this kind of stuff. It seems like he's very committed to like returning and making the most out of this and giving back to pro wrestling and to the the talent that is out there right now. And I think when you're, when you're somebody who's in the position that he's in that you need that because otherwise it does come across as just a little try hard or you're, or you're not going to try hard uh, in these matches and you're just going to go out there and you are looking for a paycheck. Well, if you watch this match, you can tell this man, he, he earned his paycheck because he was still, he would, even Janela said in our interview, he was like, Paul London was trying to kill me out there he's trying to kill himself he's trying to kill me out there like this was the same paul london that i think a lot of fans fell in love with during his roh run because he was going out there and bumping his ass off and doing some crazy stuff so look, i don't know how long he can keep that up at his age but for as long as he wants to do it and go out there and do these matches good on him it's i think it's good for independent wrestling i think there are a lot of guys who could learn something uh from paul london and it sounds like he's going to be able to get kind of any booking uh, uh he kind of wants throughout the throughout the year so that's why i said i think you'll i think you'll see some some cool matches with him at gcw i would be very shocked if he is not in gcw sooner rather than later i'd be even more shocked if he's not on spring break in some capacity yeah i'm with you i i agree i i mean he would he's a that's a slam dunk for him to be a part of spring break i think i saw um one of the headlines that you just put up that Janela was, is, is he unsure he's going to do the clusterfuck or not this year? But yeah, I don't, I, the way he was talking is like, it's only going to be one night. The clusterfuck is, you know, a one hour uh, show or a one hour match typically. And the way he was talking is like, he wants to make sure everybody kind of has time when it comes to these matches. I mean, Kota Bushi is the only person that's been announced for the show so far. Obviously I imagine Janela will be on the show in some capacity. He wants to do a little bit of everything. So it doesn't seem like the clusterfuck is going to be part of the show this year. He, he actually told me that Saudi Arabia was looking to purchase it and maybe they will run it as a CGI <laughs> event. Uh, Yoko is going to be part of it. Ultimate warrior is going to be part of it. They're trying to get almost. He wants to do almost against a uh, giant Silva as part of spring break. So look forward to that. The Janela interview is wild and absolutely wild. People can people, I'm going to plug that and I'm going to get out of here. Uh, so the Janela interview, it's up now. It's on Fightful Overbook, the, the full thing. It's there. I did do the one article, uh, Joey saying, Josh Barnett was the guy who got Kota Abushi for uh, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, apparently Abushi, 
big Josh Barnett fan, a uh, big fan of Bloodsport, fan of GCW. And he reached out. Josh Barnett kind of set it all up. Coda wanted to do Bloodsport, and then that turned into doing Spring Break as well. So uh, he credited Josh Barnett for for getting all that together. Go check out the Joey Janela interview. Jordan Oliver interview is also up. And then I got like five more, four more dropping over the next week or so on Fightful Overbooked with uh, with top independent talent. Again, Billy Starks, Cole Radrick, Yo-Yo, and... Uh, who else? Starboard Charlie are, are all up there as well, or will be coming up there. So, and shout out to JCW for, for setting those up. I appreciate that. Everyone go to fightfuloverbook.com. We will have a special episode of FMC tomorrow at 11 a.m. That is the only thing I plan on doing on my vacation. Otherwise, I'm technically clocking out and wrestlers stay out of trouble. Don't do anything. Welcome back, before. everyone. To oh, the- my God, Steven Jensen. What are you doing? Sorry about that. Sorry about that, guys. Into- I, wanted to make, I wanted to make sure the video would work. I apologize. Um, Steven Wait, this is what happens when I leave the show in Steven Jensen's hands. He's unprofessional. Well, sorry. well no, I just noticed. Sorry, I was going to do the share screen thing, but yeah. the uh, but the video wouldn't play on my screen. I just noticed. I was like, oh, I need to make sure that this will this will air. So I, I did. Did the audio work just then? Yeah, I think. I think. Fun. Okay, as I long as that's what you normally. That's what you normally do, though, yes. for for the stream, though, right? Is you do yes. the the video file and then you just yeah. put it up on screen. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, so I, Jeremy. I, I do I, this all I, before the show, so that way it doesn't just pop up in the middle of the show, Steven Jensen. Hey, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off on your plugs, Jeremy. Sorry, continue. I want I wanted to make sure we were good before I lost you that I could air the interview when you left. So uh the, the show is now in Steven Jensen's hands. I don't know what that means for anything, but here we go. It's in Jensen's hands, everybody. Um, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Wrestlers stay out of trouble this weekend or get in a bunch of trouble and I don't have to cover it. So no, everyone stay out of trouble. Have have a good weekend, everybody. Super Bowl weekend. Good luck with all that. Stay tuned. Stick around. Our interview with Matt Coon. Uh, great, great dude. He put me over a lot, so I appreciated that. Uh, anybody puts me over, it's a great person. Uh, I talked about his podcast with uh, Mr. Regal, his podcast that he currently has with Dax Harwood. Talked about making music for AEW and Impact Wrestling, relationship with Conrad Thompson. Um, and we did talk about Cody and Steven Jensen and Matt Coon just became best friends over Cody Rhodes. Uniting the world like Cody, like only Cody Rhodes can do. All right, I'm out of here. I'll make sure I don't hit in broadcast because that would be very bad. Uh, Jensen, appreciate you as always. Bye, everyone. Talk to you all next week. See you, Jeremy. All right, let's hide this thing here. <coughs> all right, it's my time. Oh, this is no good. You can see that I've unfinished my background now. I, I got some more work to do after the show today. Uh, but yeah, I got a little, little bit of a setup here. So, um, All right, y'all. Well, what you're about to hear is an interview with myself and Jeremy and Matt Kuhn, who you might know from the Dax Harwood podcast, as well as the former, uh, the the Mr. William Regal podcast as well. Um, really good conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Please let me know if there's any audio issues or anything you, you've got. I'm going to try to keep my eye on this as uh, normally Jeremy takes care of this part of the show because normally I'm uh, clocking in for the shoot job right now, but um, I did take the day off work today so I could help out with this, do a little extra podcasting later on with, uh, with Rob and Maggie for Overbook or not for, Overbook, for, uh, for Fightful Select. And, um, and then we go to the Hawks and, uh, the Hawks and Suns game tonight. So getting to go to an NBA game tonight, looking forward to that. So that all said, thank you for sticking around. Um, oh, Maggie, I'll, 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 I'll add to the wall before our show starts. I think if I, if I have some time here, um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I used to have all the UFC stuff behind me, and I'm like in the process of of rearranging now. Um, 
But yes, thank you all for sticking around with me. Uh, I'm about to play the interview right now with me, Jeremy, and Matt Kuhn. And I hope you enjoy. I'll be back at the end of the show to wrap things up for y'all. And uh, yeah, here it is. Your spotlight here on the spotlight. I'm still Jeremy Lambert. That's still Steven Jensen. And below us, the man who is the co-host of FTR with Dax Harwood. He does theme music for AEW. He hosts a bunch of different podcasts. He hosted the Gentleman Villain podcast with William Regal. Mr. Matt Kuhn, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to finally meet you, Steven. And it's good to see you again, Jeremy. I know you had to miss WrestleCade because of COVID, oh. but we had such a good time connecting there the first time. And thanks for having me on. And I'm glad we could finally make it happen. I mean, we, were, we were talking off air about this gentleman. We'll, we'll bring him up on the show. Uh, our buddy Cassidy Haynes from, from Body Slam, a great guy. And he connects everybody in the world of wrestling. I just did an interview with Jordan Oliver. And he talked about how he was hanging out with Cass and put him through the ringer <laughs> in the gym and just talking about what a nice guy Cass is. So, yes, Cass is the absolute best. And he was the one that introduced us at WrestleMania absolutely. Uh, two years ago now at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Cass is great. And when we met two years ago, I was absolutely not involved in anything with wrestling. I never wanted anything to do with wrestling again or any podcast. And nobody gave a crap except Cass. Like, Cass is still my friend no matter what. And so I, I'll never forget that. And that WrestleCade was so fun because I got to meet you. I got to see Sean again. And uh, we hung out and had a great time. And hopefully we'll do it again. We, I will be there this year. Brian Danielson, my future podcast co-host. Sorry, sorry Stephen Jensen. Uh, are we going to fight over this? I'm really trying to get this Danielson podcast at some point. I don't I don't actually think it's going to happen. I don't think he would do a show with like a fat meat eater non-recycler like me. Like he would, Regal, Regal on the show when I host with Regal, he would he said I'm using a glass cup now because I don't want Daniel Bryan to get on me about plastic cups. So <laughs> I, 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 Daniel Bryan would take one look at me and be like, no, no, not, not him. <laughs> I don't think he'll do a podcast period. Just like, you know, just anybody. It could be, it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be me. I just don't think he's going to sit down and like do a podcast. He's barely on his wife's podcast as far. He'd be as great though. He'd be great. Yeah. Oh, he's so, oh, yeah. he is so good when he does pop up on the Bella's podcast. And obviously I, anytime he does any type of interview, Viewer, probably I'm always searching for for that headline that to use sat, the, the thumbnail. I sat in bat the same night I met Cash. I got uh, I got to be on the floor of the Hall of Fame at New Orleans, so I was like on the red carpet and sat there. And I sat on the bus. There's a bus that transported the talent and me from the hotel to the event and back. And Daniel Bryan and Bree were sitting right in front of me the entire time. I went up and talked to Dax, introduced myself. And I couldn't say a word to Dan O'Brien. I was way too intimidated. That guy is, man, when you go down the list, people talk about uh, Mount Rushmore. He's on there. Like, he's that guy, that bridge between Cena and Roman. It was Daniel O'Brien, for sure. And it should have been more, you know, considering everything worked against him. I'm with you. He's the GOAT, as you say every time. Every time he makes his entrance, imagine thinking Brian Danielson ain't the fucking goat. Uh, Matt, let me ask you the first question here. Just how did you get started in the wrestling media landscape or the wrestling content creation landscape? It's it's great. You know, like it started because I got divorced like 10 years ago, blissfully so, but still divorced. And I had a 10 year old kid who loved wrestling. I loved wrestling. So I'm saying, man, I'm going to take this fucking kid to WrestleManias. Like, what's going to stop me? Nothing. 
So we started going to WrestleManias. We went to WrestleCades. We started doing all this stuff. And one day I turned to him and I said, you know, I want to do something in wrestling one day. And he goes, what? I go, I don't know. And then this show came on, this podcast came on called Something to Wrestle With. And man, it was something else. It was funny. It was combative. It was just something else. And I wrote the guy who hosted it, Conrad Thompson, to go, hey, if you need help with research, I'd be glad to do that. I thought that would be my thing. It sounded like a fun thing to do. And before I knew it, I sent him a song. Before I knew it, I was on a call with Bruce and Conrad. Can you make us a theme song? And I knew that was my opportunity. I knew that was it. Like, because I make music and I, I spent just, I, I don't even want to say hundreds of hours on that theme song. Just something to wrestle with. Got in a circle a little bit. And then Conrad started putting me up for podcasts. He, he, I think it was some podcast he just didn't want to do. And he said, oh, I got a guy, you know. And so I became friends with Conrad. I started doing pretty much any podcast that would have me. I learned on the job, no radio experience, no public speaking experience, learning on the job with Johnny Fairplay and Terry Runnels and Dutch Mantel and Medusa and all these podcasts I did. And then finally caught on a little bit with Robbie E. We did a song called, or a podcast called Why It Ended. And so. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As this is going on, I'm still making music. You know, I'm still really, I love making music. So I got to make some music for some podcasts and then, you know, other opportunities came their way, but that's pretty much how I got into it. Mainly a DM from me to Conrad Thompson. So kind of like bridging all that together. So you obviously had to have been a, a really big fan to, to like have the knowledge to be able to do these kind of shows and have that, to have the confidence to like put you in those kind of positions. And I know you said you didn't have like any kind of formal like radio experience, but was it something you always kind of had in mind with your music background that you wanted to do something in radio? And, and I guess, are you just a massive wrestling fan, like lifelong to the point where you just love it so much, you just got involved and the next thing you know, like, do they like your voice? Do they like your research? Like it had to have been more than them just giving you an opportunity. You know what I mean? It was more the second where my whole life, people were like, you should do radio. You've got this voice. And I do have a voice. Like I do have this deep voice that, sounds good on the air and and but i've never had I, I was a stutterer until i was 23 like i couldn't even, i could barely talk you know and so the thought of doing a podcast i guess i i've been a lifelong fan i'm a nerd i'm a wrestling nerd i was a secret fan for so long the last five years i've gotten to not hide that i like wrestling because i make money in it so it's not as shameful anymore Absolutely. but for years especially you know i'm 50 years old so in the 30s, when I was in my 20s and 30s and married and doing all that, I was still watching, but very secretively. I bought the DVDs, didn't have any wrestling friends. And when this opportunity came, it was, I think it was about that I, I worked hard. I was passionate and I did extra and I did extra. Same thing we've all done. You find a guy like Conrad, or I found a guy like Victor Wooten, who's a great musician, and I'm just going to volunteer my time, volunteer my time, volunteer my time. Not to really get in because I loved it. 
it's definitely, I mean, hard work, especially in, in this line when it comes to wrestling, just will get you everywhere. And then the people who, you know, for whatever reason decide it's not for them or they, they come down from it, they, they don't get those opportunities. But yeah, just, it is funny how anybody can, can get wherever when you just said it was a message to Conrad, hey, I'll research. And then it just ballooned from there and turned into various podcasts. Now you, you did mention you know, when we met at WrestleCade, you said, I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of, I'm done with, with everything. Like what, what happened between, uh, Hey, I'm doing all these podcasts. And then right now I'm just kind of, kind of done here. There was definitely a falling out, um, with me and Conrad, there was definitely a falling out and it had to do with a third party, a third person who still works with them, who, um, did something awful and terrible to me. And I took it on the chin and I, Conrad is the most brilliant person in the world. Like he's literally probably 170 IQ genius. He is the smartest person I've ever met. So I was mad at him because I knew he could have figured it out. So I didn't even say anything. I didn't say anything to you when I met you. I just said, I'm not doing it. Didn't say anything to anybody. Eventually Conrad figured it out and he really pursued the friendship like hard. He really pursued the friendship again, not working again, but the friendship. And so I was open to that after, and I, he had to fight for it. Cause I was just like, bro, I'm done. Cause that's me. But Conrad's a good guy. He's a good person. And when he realized what happened, he did all he could on a friendship point to, to make it right. But I told him, I said, Conrad, I'm never going to work with you again because I can't, you know, that it was a really bad situation where my trust was betrayed and treated badly. And I feel like people should have had my side who didn't. But I said, I'm never working with you again, but I'll be your friend, of course, because he was so consistently beautiful about this. And in our friendship, Conrad has done a lot for me. Like, there's no disputing what kind of person he was. But business is business, and I treat a little differently than he does. But I said, I'm never working with you again. He's like, okay, sure. And Conrad, I sent him a text about Regal, because Regal was on AW. I go, bro, your podcast with Regal is going to be awesome. He's like, do you want it? I'm like, I'm not producing anymore, dude. I'm done. I'm not doing this. He's like, no, do you want to host it? And I'm like, that motherfucker, look at him. <laughs> he got me. Because it was like, before I knew it, I was like, yeah, sure. This is great. Let's do this and let's do that. And I was back in. And I think he knew I'd do a good job. But I really think it was an extension of our friendship. And I'm grateful for the friendship of Conrad. He's one of my best friends for sure in the world. But there was a falling out. That is the long story of the falling out. And the third party, and um, I'm glad that's behind us now. What What's it like being a lifelong fan, like a big wrestling nerd, like like so many people, like me and Jeremy, like people that watch this, is very relatable. What's it like when you know, okay, I'm working with a legend like Mr. Regal, and like how do you do you have to compartmentalize like your fandom when it comes to that to like try to be like a professional broadcaster, or is it like? I mean, what's what just the overall experience? Because that, that's just that's just such an amazing person to be able to, to pick pick their brain for the world to, to see. It took some getting used to. Like, it is. You have to fight that. Like, I've never met Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if I met him, you know what you have to do? You have to play it cool, you know? My son has been around this a, lo a, lo a bigger portion of his life than I have because we were involved in StarCast. Math Matthew played the business bear at StarCast. Like, he did signings with Cody as the business bear. Like... And we're talking about 11, uh, a 14 year old at the time who's obsessed with the elite. Like, and we were backstage at the Hall of Fame. Shane McMahon comes up, and this is a good example. You know, I, I'm standing there going, Oh, nice to meet you. 
And Matthew goes, hey, are those the Jordans you're going to wear tomorrow? And Shay's like, oh, no, not these Jordans. Yep. And he immediately locked on. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to learn less from my kid here. You play it cool. You talk about things they like. And you have to compartmentalize because the easiest thing is for a wrestler to label you as a mark. They might not yeah. say it out loud, but they believe it. You know, they, oh, it's just one of those guys. You know, so I, I don't know if I ever crossed that. I don't know if Regal ever took me but anything but a mark just because he's so guarded. But you have to play it cool because I've been in so many, like, dude, like, Tully Blanchard came out to my theme song. I watched Tully Blanchard when I was a kid. Like, there's so many great experiences. I hung out with Lex Luger an entire day. Like, these are things that are insane, and I never lose it. And it's these moments that Conrad and I have had where we look to each other and we go, this is pretty fucking cool, right? And he goes, yeah, this is really fucking cool. And then we have to go back and play it cool, you know? And especially in his circle and people that maybe he knows and related to that you're hanging out a bit, you can't just be like, ooh, I loved you in this or ooh, I loved you in that because that's the last thing these poor people want to hear. These poor people just want to be treated like people, you know? So it it absolutely was an adjustment. It did not come naturally to me at all. And I've had my shameful, cringy mark-out moments where I feel regretful of it, you know, but you have to learn, you know, it takes time. Sure. Well, and how long would you say, um, and this, it might be the same for your current show with Dax as well, but um, for a show, especially with, for uh, uh, someone, with someone like Regal, who has such a long history in wrestling, especially, how much research would you say you put in a week for one episode of that show? It's a good question. When I came on with Conrad, again, I go, I'm not doing anything. I'm hosting. And he had this whole system in place where, like, I had a researcher and I had a, a, a camera guy who ran StreamYard, you know, and did everything. It was great. But then eventually we're like, well, we want the show to make a little bit more money. So we had to restructure that a little bit. So I went back to doing research. I did research. I worked with Russo, Vince Russo. I did research for those shows. I would say I spent about two or three hours on every DAC show doing research and the last few Regal shows the same. You know, you got to understand, I don't want to keep, you know, kissing this guy's butt because screw him. But Conrad <laughs> invented this way of doing podcasting. And part of it is the undercurrent of research. And now there's people that do the research, but I've seen him do it. And the way he can cut and paste an observer thing, like boom, 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 boom. What's interesting, what's not, put it in a form. It's, and also he's got radio experience, so he doesn't need to do bullet points. I do bullet points for myself. I also try to send one to Dax if I do it in soon enough time. So he can. I can be like, can we talk about this? Can, everything. He's like, let's talk about everything. But I try to do it in a way where, you know, I guess I'm good on my feet, but I don't want to have to be. So I try to research as much as I can because I will trip up on my words and I will get, I will fumble but there's a lot of research that goes into it. And the practice I put in on my previous podcast helped so much, even though we didn't have success, because now I, I, man, for every hour I'm on air, there's probably about 10 hours that I'm working on, on a show. The, the Regal podcast. I remember when I, when I first listened to it, Regal can be very tough because he'll give you something, but, and, and he admits this on the show of like, you got to keep him on track. Cause he will go all over the place with stories 
and, and I want to credit you because you did a very good job of like keeping him on track and bringing him back around to, to what the, the story was. And Dax is different in that he will stay on track. He will hammer that point. And then you guys have a little bit more like a free flowing conversation. I feel like, what do you think the biggest differences are when it comes to the Regal podcast and the Dax podcast? Couldn't be different. You know, couldn't be more different. Regal is the hardest person in the world to do a podcast with. Mr. Regal, let me say that. Respect, like the guy, respect what he's done. But our first show, I met him the day of our first show on Zoom like this. Okay? So we had the research. It's your, you know, Conrad format research where it's like Meltzer said this. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not talking about what Meltzer said. Okay. Um, what about this? He's like, well, I'm not going to talk about what anybody thought or felt either. Okay. And I'm not going to give my opinions on other people either. Okay. So I just, man, it was like, it was the hardest job ever. But from playing music and from teaching music, the example I knew was, I'm going to get better at this. This Regal thing is going to make me much better at my job at this podcast. And it really did. And Regal just didn't reveal anything. Didn't want to talk crap about anybody. Didn't want to react to Meltzer. So what are we going to talk about? Regal. And so I, I leaned in on the, on the stories and let him talk and try to get him back on track. Now, Dax, Dax is the best podcast partner I've ever had in my life. Dax hits me with ideas. I'll tell you a Dax story. We did our second show on the Briscoe matches, a trio, an overview. This is our second show. And he writes me back. He's like, do you want to redo this? Or he texts me, do you want to redo this section? I go, uh, yeah, we can do that. And then we go back and forth. He's like, do you just want to re-record the whole episode? And I was like, I love that on principle, buddy. Like the fact that this guy, this professional wrestler, wasn't like, I'll show up at 2 o'clock, I'll answer questions, and I'm gone. He's engaged in every aspect of it. He's thrilled we're doing great. He's uh, engaged in everything. Like today we're coming up with a URL to direct people to the T-shirts. He wants to be involved in that stuff as opposed to other people, people that you know and names you know that just show up. So Dax is the best. Also, conversationally, he's much more, you know, he's much more forthcoming than just about any other podcast host in the world. So it's nine day from Regal, but Regal's, I, this podcast would not be as good if I didn't work with William Regal, 100%. Do you have any, um, any favorite, I guess, conversation or, or story from the time with, uh, with Mr. Regal? Yeah, I definitely loved the stuff about the, the in-ring stuff. Like, there's a part of it where he talked about pins, where he talked about, how pins are important and how when somebody's pinning somebody, unless it's like a knockout, you should be making sure you have them down. You should put the leg and press the other shoulder down. John Moxley does it every time. John Moxley always grabs a wrist and puts it down. And you see these lazy pins. I don't call them lazy. I'm not a wrestler, but Regal would call them lazy. Um, and so that's one example. He also talked about magic fingers. Magic fingers is when a wrestler touches somebody's head and they magically stand up. Right. And so right. instead of grabbing their hair, he just magic fingers. He didn't like that. He wanted everything to look real, but he gave specific examples. He also showed me that your thumbs need to be parallel when you're doing a wrist lock, parallel on a wrist lock to get the pressure on. Like that stuff was really important to him. 
So now when I watch wrestling, there are many things on a technical level that I noticed that I never did before. And uh, Regal's very passionate about what he believes is right and wrong in wrestling and the way things should be done. And also, though, accepting of things that work. Like he didn't mind Orange Cassidy. But he also hated magic fingers and hated lazy pins. For for him, was it more so the idea that someone like Orange Cassidy is so over that clearly what he's doing is working, so there's a little bit more wiggle room with that kind of stuff? It, it, it goes in contrast to, like, say, a Jim Cornette. This isn't what I grew up with, so screw it. I hate it. Uh, Regal is more like, a, if it works, it works. You know, he is, and Dax is the same way, talking about the Young Bucks. You know, he's like, hey, I can't do that shit. But when they do it, People seem to like it, so I'm for it, you know? And that's the same way with Orange Cassidy and, and Regal. He gets the idea. They get the idea that the most important thing in wrestling is connecting to fans and getting over, as opposed to sticking to tradition in the face of possible opposing logic. Gotcha. Uh, also, really quick, I also wanted to mention, um, as we're going back and forth between Dax and Mr. Regal here, I saw today, it was all over my Twitter timeline, the the quote from Dax, from y'all, about the 1A and 1B Young Bucks, uh, FTR, kind of their mindset going into AEW, uh, or back in 2021, those conversations with Tony Khan. What's it like for you as a fan and professionally, um, what's the kind of feeling you get when you see your work so heavily a part of the conversation on social media? Like, is it something that you like, you really enjoy that it's out there or is it something you get nervous about? Cause you're like, Oh, here comes, here comes all the opinions or like, how do you feel about when like you kind of break news in the wrestling space? If I'm being honest, I would characterize it as pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I love it because I'm trying to promote a podcast, but at the same time, even when I worked with Conrad, you know, I produced something to wrestle with and what happened when I would call Conrad and I would say, Hey man, do you want this on the air? He's like, what did I say? I'm like, you said this. He's like, better cut it out. So I'm not trying to hurt my podcast host, but I also am not beyond exploiting every bit I can to promote in the most competitive podcast segment possible, the wrestling podcast. I love being part of the conversation because it helps promote the podcast. Uh, I am a little scared, not really scared anymore, because the people who hate me hate me and it's fine. But the heat aspect of it, you know, like there is a segment of people who hate that Dax has a podcast, wrestlers and people in the business. And it's not because of what he says, it's because of the subjects he talks about. And, you know, you're not supposed to talk about this. You're not supposed to talk about that. Not so much the words, but more the subjects. And the fact that I'm the guy sitting there prodding him and pushing him and asking questions, I don't, I think sometimes I get heat for that but i will say i have heard from many many wrestlers and i wish they would freaking tweet about it about how much they love the show and so i hear from at least one oh my god wrestler a week um you know i happen to know let's say two out of the last five royal rumble winners like the show and listen to the show you know and and um you know that's uh there's a, I guess, a world champion of the last couple of years hates the show. And so it's a really interesting thing to um, to see that social media. But honestly, I do love it and I do want it because, dude, there's 5,000 podcasts out there and yeah. we want to be part of that conversation. 
And if we're not, there's good podcasts like Elvis podcast with Matt Hardy is great, but you have to become part of the conversation and get yourself out there and find that that's a big part of it is becoming part of that conversation. I always appreciate that you send these, send me these podcasts early because I, I, I know you, you uh, appreciate that Fightful does the article. We get picked up by a lot of stuff and we try to get it out there and like, Hey, this is where you can listen to it when it goes live. Here's an early sampling of, of everything out there. It helps us. I feel it's helped you. The CM Punk thing was, I thought like a monster when, when we posted everything that Dax said about that. And of course, everybody's linking back to us and then everybody's linking to the podcast and everything. It was like, Hey, this is a, this is a nice partnership here. Uh, but I I've told you this and I was going to, praise you i've praised you in the dms i'll praise you here on air the dax podcast is one of just my favorite listens if i wasn't writing uh, a million articles a day listening to a million podcasts a day i would listen to the dax podcast because the conversation is so good and because he is so insightful and he's not afraid to talk about stuff and i think that is a big thing especially with wrestlers who are in the position he's in they will be very afraid to, to just they'll dance around certain topics and everything. And Dax is he's very honest. He will he will he will catch himself in saying, like, I felt this way. This is how I felt. I understand it, it's uh, by the time everybody listens to this, the podcast will be out when he's talking about the young bucks. He's like, this is how I felt with everything. Like, I don't know how they felt. If they felt this way, I completely get it. He does a very good job of like putting it that way. Of, like, these are my feelings. But he's very honest with that stuff. And you don't find that in a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the interviews. And I know that's a good job on you to ask him these questions. And it just shows the kind of person he is of like, I'm willing to do this no matter what kind of the maybe repercussions might be. Yeah. And, and if this podcast is out by the time our pod, that Dax, the young bucks Dax podcast is out. It's, I think the biggest surprise is what you found out is Dax just put the blame on himself for the whole damn thing. Yeah. And it was, and I talked to him about it afterwards. I go, Dax, it doesn't feel like that's who you are. It feels like it's who you want to be. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I want to be the kind of person who can just say, this is my fault. It's under my control to figure out how I feel. And that's the beautiful thing about the episode is people are going to tune in thinking Dax is going to beat the crap out of the Young Bucks. And instead, he's going to be understanding their positions. As far as uh, what you said earlier about giving you, Fightful's great. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp, you know, um, when I worked with Russo, I had friends who were in the wrestling uh, journalism business. As soon as I worked with Russo, they were no longer my friends, even though I had the right intentions. All the older guys, some, one of them was my oldest friend in wrestling, Bruce Mitchell. Um, No longer my friend, gone. But Sapp, Ryan Satin, Bix were all super fair. Like, super, like, let me look at this and observe it. And Sap in particular, and I'll never forget uh, for, forget that. But the punk episode, it was a monster. It was huge. It went bonkers. And I have to give credit to Conrad Thompson. I'll tell you why. Because we knew we had an episode coming out. And I go, bro, should we do January 5th? Because this is the last day of the quarter. We're not getting any ads. So why are we doing the show? Because that's how Conrad thinks, right? Why are we doing the show if we don't have ads? And he goes, bro, listen, nothing's happening that week. You guys are going to have all the conversation around you guys that week because there's no news the last week of December. And I go, okay. 
And bro, that, I mean, it was, it was incredible the amount of, just because nothing else happened. Nothing else happened that week, and there's no news to happen. So the CM Punk episode is just was a monster that launched a podcast. We'll be able to eat off that episode forever, probably. That that's piece of the genius of Conrad that you're talking about to have the foresight to be like, listen, you think that this doesn't make sense? No one else is thinking about this. This is when we drop the episode because just watch. I mean, that's that's so valuable to have something like that. Uh, that that kind of resource. And he's always been like that for me. When I started podcasting, I'd send him clips. I'd be like, what do you think? He's like, get on top of your voice more. Stop reading because you're not good at reading. You know, he's gives me really specific feedback from a friend level. And also, I listen. You know, when I'm around someone who's good, I listen. And I will say that advice has paid off a lot. And that particular moment, I would have never thought that in a million years. Let's go out a week early. Forget the ads. But... Damn, dude, that it worked out. And it is smart because January 4th is Wrestle Kingdom. And we could not have predicted what was going to happen January 5th and 6th with Vince McMahon coming back and everything. And then the sale rumors and whatnot. But you knew at the very least January 4th was Wrestle Kingdom. And you knew the, the Sasha rumors and everything there that she was going to show up. But yeah, that last week of December, it's usually pretty quiet because the post-Christmas break pre uh new year and everything so hey that, that was a good call and then again i appreciate that you sent it to me and you're like go for it whatever you need to run like it's all on, it's all you and then it i know it helped us out a lot as well so and i i always say this a lot of people think that uh when i transcribe these interviews and stuff the the podcasters or the interviewers are like mad at me or more the people the fans and stuff get mad at me because they're like oh, you're taking the work of somebody else. This is not your work. Mostly, you guys, you will send it to me. I had another person message me this week. They just send me stuff I'm like, hey, thanks. This helps us out. We all work together here. There, there's not a rivalry between transcribers and podcasters that I think uh, people might think there is. I've, I've had multiple, I've done multiple audio interviews with independent wrestlers at just like local shows. And we always put the, the audio up on either select or wherever it winds up on, on the Fightful platforms. But to Jeremy's point, I can't tell you how often they tell me they're like, don't really care where the audio heads. Like if we get some articles, like we really could use like just some something written about us. And it's like, you know, so it's so valuable having both of that. And I think fans, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like fans don't understand that. Well, not that they don't understand, but maybe they don't think like that. Um, anyone who would complain about that. It's, I think it's equally valuable to have the written out there with like the big, the headlines and the, the big thumbnail image and stuff. And it gets people interested. Then it directs you right over to the show. Yeah. It's been like two or three years since I've done a wrestling podcast and things have changed so much. So I'm like, wait a second, they'll transcribe it for me and put it in an article <laughs> for me. <laughs> right. Because the way it used to be is I had this mailing list like Meltzer, Nick Houseman, blah, 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 everybody, sap, everybody. And I would write bullet points and I would have, here's a quote from the show, and hopefully someone picks it up. These podcasters now don't know how good they have it. You got a guy like Jeremy, who's literally transcribing us, putting out press releases for us. Like, that's how they should look at it, because it is such a beneficial thing to all of us, you know? And that's why you're always like, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. And you're like, no, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. Because this used to be work, and now it's taken out of my hands, because... And it also shows why Fightful is leading 
kind of the the wrestling industry right now or the wrestling journalism industry right now because you guys do the work you're not wrestling on laurels you're putting those hours and it's paying off you know <laughs> absolutely yes sir the sir, biggest yeah. cody fan in the world right here i love, I love cody Rhodes. i'm so happy with what i saw <laughs> last night I'm, i i have confidence they are going to go all the way with them here so i'm, I'm that's what I'm i love for. cody Rhodes uh professionally and i love cody Rhodes personally cody Rhodes, he is have you met him uh, so yeah, I so I actually went to high school with him back in the day. We were on the wow. same uh, wrestling team in uh, at Lasseter in Atlanta. So I have this this unique perspective of like seeing his his high school wrestling career like through OBW and like everything like since I'm uh, yeah massive massive fan. So I'm uh very heavily invested. I have about two decades worth of investment on seeing WrestleMania go All his right. way. So, um, but yeah, but no, yeah, absolutely. I I, honest, I unfortunately don't have like constant communication with him currently but whenever i get the chance to see him he's honestly yeah he's a he's a he's a great guy so i'm, I'm glad all the success that he's having well it's not like we're buddies or anything but we know he knows who i am we know each other and the funny thing about cody is cody is the guy who is most like his on-air character there is no difference between i mean same suit same yeah. look on his face the way he talks about things and how proper he is and how professional he is he's that guy all the time and he never takes a break off for being Cody Rhodes. I love that about him. And the journey he's been on, I am just thrilled for him. And I think he deserves every damn bit of it. And I hope he gets as big as a Sami Zayn fan I am. I hope he gets all of it. Well, that was my next question. Because this is this is actually a question we can kind of ask some of our um, some of our guests leading up to WrestleMania. Because it is a big conversation. If it was up to you, would you go with Sami Zayn winning the title off of Roman Reigns? Or would you have Cody Rhodes do it? At this point in time, I'd go with Cody. There was a point in time I liked the idea of Sammy getting an injury angle and sitting WrestleMania out and Sammy getting the SummerSlam main event. You know, I liked that idea at first. But now they've gone this far, you got to go with Cody because, first of all, Cody's story is still great. And Sammy's story, while it burned really hot, it might fade as, as, uh, as quicker as a result. But I think the answer is, Cody's got to get really involved in the Sammy thing. You know, Cody's got to be the white knight to Sammy. He's got to rescue Sammy. He's got to put Sammy on your shoulders. He's got to say, Sammy deserves this shot, but I've got it. I know you guys are with him, but please come with me. Because Cody can pull that shit off. Um, Cody is the guy, and I believe people in WWE, I believe people in the TV industry believe Cody's the guy. And that's important. You know, that's why Kofi lost the title so quick. Because... They wanted Brock to have the title. And I believe if, if Roman's going to take some time off or Roman's not going to be around forever or Roman doesn't need the title, it's got to be Cody. And I love Sami Zayn. Five years ago, six years ago, I'm talking shit on all these wrestlers in front of Conrad. Conrad goes, who do you like, Coon? And I'm like, oh, whatever I say, I'm dead, right? And Matthew goes, he likes Sami Zayn. And Conrad goes, Sami Zayn? So now... I have, I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan, but I think him as champion is miscast. There's no reason he needs it. This elimination chamber should be the big moment, Montreal, everything. And then they'll figure it out for WrestleMania, probably Usos versus them. Jay does the real turn, the delayed turn, and then they do it. But Cody's the guy, like it's Cody, look at him. Like, look what he did last night. Cody, Cody's, Cody's gonna take, he's gonna take it. It's his and he's gonna take it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And, and I'm also with you on the idea of 
and I think this is going to kind of prevent the fans from potentially turning on Cody is the idea of it's Cody. The the bigger story is Cody Owens and Zayn are taking out the bloodline collectively. Like, like Owens and Zayn get the tag titles off of them. Cody gets the world titles off of Roman. And then we kind of have like a new landscape going forward for the WWE. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's, that's how things play out um, as well. Jeremy, I think is a little bit different. I think Jeremy wants to see Sami Zayn win this thing at Elimination Chamber. Are you, is that, is that still where you're at, Jeremy? Oh, Jeremy's a troll and wants whatever is going to uh, make for good banter on our show, <laughs> Steven Jensen. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. I do think, look, man, that pop that, that Sammy got when he attacked Roman, like, sometimes you just oh, gotta. Yeah. You got to pull the trigger on this stuff. And he's so hot right now. I get the the point of he is very hot right now. What's the story afterwards? Cody has always been the long-term play. I totally get all that. I feel like it's tough to just miss that moment of Sammy winning that title in Montreal and instead having him lose that match. Kevin will probably save him after. That'll be the big pop. But man, him winning that title in Montreal just feels like such a moment that you need to capture. But then you lose, like, what do you do at WrestleMania then if Sammy wins? And that, and that's, and that's the issue is like, where do you go from WrestleMania? Well, I think you just do Cody and Sammy at WrestleMania. I understand in the story, it might not be as great. You got eight hundred writers. You got your Reddit gift basket booking. Figure out the story when it comes to that. Uh, but Sammy, that moment. Sometimes you got to make that moment. And, but I get it, especially because I don't think this is a situation where and people who are listening to this now have probably just heard Steven Jensen and I talk about this for half an hour on our show. Um, (laughs) I don't think this is a situation where people are going to turn against Cody. You ain't turning against Cody. That man is so over and so beloved by the audience that it's not going to be like, oh, we want Sammy. Sammy will unfortunately lose at Elimination Chamber. And then the next night on Raw, Cody will say something or do something and be like, Let's go, Cody. Let's get into WrestleMania. We're all we're all in on Cody. Well, they kind of alluded to it last night, like Cody, like getting them to chant for Sammy. Like he's not avoiding it, so that it's not gonna. He's like getting out ahead of it. It feels like, yeah. He's so he's really I love, smart. Like, I do love Cody. <laughs> here's the thing: is that you know, if Cody, or if Sammy wins, you could go Sammy versus Cody on Saturday. This babyface. You know, battle for the ages. Cody wins, handshakes, but he's got to take on Roman on Sunday. Like, Cody two times works for me. Roman two times doesn't. And people compare to Daniel Bryan. And the difference between Daniel Bryan and Sammy is that there was no Cody Rhodes at all during the Daniel Bryan thing. It was Dave Batista who people were waiting to hate. People were waiting for this to turn on this guy. So it's a, they're not going to turn on Cody. And if they do, I have faith in him to turn it around. Like, Cody's a dude. Yeah. He's going to put himself through a flaming table again to turn. I was there live in Atlanta, dude. Great moment with Andrade. Yeah, I got to see him do that that live and the cage, uh, the moonsault on Wardlow. Got got a couple good AEW Cody Rhodes moments. I referenced both of those in uh, the Dax podcast this week about about him putting over the younger talent. Wardlow in the cage, setting himself on fire. Darby, Sammy. Like, dude, the guy just gave and gave and gave. Like, you can't have any issues with how he was in AEW, at least, I don't know, behind the scenes, but front of the scenes, he was awesome. And he made, he set himself on fire, like for real, you know, like it's, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I, Matt, do, I so- do love, 
I was just going to say, Matt, just so you know, I already liked you based on knowing you through Twitter. I I like you way, way, way more even now. So I really, I really agree with everything you're saying about Cody right now. I really appreciate Cody it. Rhodes uniting everyone as usual. Well, I had to live through the standing up for this guy when the entire AEW audience was booing him. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's good. It's refreshing to see people that are like, like fans now and like getting behind him for this. And that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm excited for it. So circling back to the the dax podcast that just released uh what i did love about this one is it wasn't just focused on hey let's talk about ftr young but you guys reviewed like the the whole full gear card and talked about everything all the matches from there like what were your thoughts on this what was going on at this time and again dax to his credit very honest about you know his thoughts and, and how he was thinking i love when he was talking about orange cassidy and like yeah i can get why you know some people might not like it and uh, you know, at first I was kind of weary, but like, then you understand what he's actually doing. Like, you can't say he's, he can't work. Like, you just can't say that. And once you get it, you get it. But I love that he, again, unafraid to just kind of talk about his peers in that manner. We, we brainstorm a lot about the shows and about the subjects. And so it was, he wanted to do all of full gear because he didn't want to just be like, we're talking about the young bucks. Like he didn't want it to look like we were exploiting that situation, especially to them, right? Especially to Tony Khan. We were like, oh, we're just stirring shit up to get downloads, you know? We're telling the story that took place in this wider story. So that gave us what one might call plausible deniability. But at the same time, it also gave us opportunity to talk about these other things because we're hopefully going to have a podcast for a long time. And if we do, we're eventually going to have to talk about pay-per-views that Dax wasn't in. And people are going to have to be interested in his insight. So let's go for it. And as you see, this is a, you know, Dax is a Conrad listener. He's he's a guy who listens to what happened when, and, and so he gets it. He First time I said Blue Chew, he just was so happy. I've never seen a happier <laughs> oh, guy in the world. The the ad read that, that you guys are doing with Blue Chew, and then his daughter comes in, and all <laughs> this is one of the greatest moments in podcast history i i think it was the the dog collar episode uh that you guys did but i forget which one it was but my god it was because it was already bad because he brought his wife in and she figured out what's going on he's like put on this blue chew (laughs) and she's like stop and i'm already laughing and then all of a sudden your dogs go oh my god and finley's (laughs) standing like right there (laughs) and i'm like oh that's it that's it shut it down the daughter, that little girl walking on the Bluetooth commercial. There's no coming back from that. No, it was so hilarious, though. And I'm like, oh, they're going to cut this from the, from the final thing. And then I listened to make sure it was there. It's like, oh, no, it's there. Let's go. It was so good. It was so good. That's the key. Another thing I've learned about podcasting, you have to keep those real moments in, right? Like, there was a moment when we talked about Jay Briscoe, there was a moment where we had to kind of transition the show. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, you want to take a drink? He's like, yeah, let's take a drink. And I listen to back, listen back. And I, I think I said something like, I'm going to edit this out. And I listen back. I'm like, that, let's keep that in. That's real. You know, that's a real thing. And I think the audience appreciates the honesty. Yeah, for I sure. Agree. Yeah. Uh, um, when it comes to when it comes to making music, to circle back to this, you you have said, you know, the FTR song that you all like and enjoy. I'm the guy that made the FTR song before that, but still very cool that FTR, Tully Blanchard are walking out to a song that you did. 
It is. It is. And, you know, I want to hate Mikey Ruckus. Like, I really do. Mikey <laughs> Ruckus is in my same zip code, has played in bands with guys that I've played in bands with. Never met him, but we're in the same circle. And so I want to hate the guy and out of pure professional jealousy. But he's the nicest human being and also very talented and a great job. Tony Khan hated my song. A lot of people didn't like the song. I made some choices. I went for it. I swung for the fences, and I'm okay with that. But it is disappointing that a song replaced it that is just beloved like no wrestling song ever. It's like I'm the Pete Best of wrestling podcasts. You know, like I was replaced by something beloved by everybody. It still stings a little bit, but not like some, something did something wrong, but that I didn't deliver something that was beloved as that. Now, my song never got a chance in front of an audience. It was built to get these yas going with the audience, you know? It never did that, but man, I made a good amount of money off of that. And I got a lot of exposure on that. And I got Tully Blanchard coming out with that. I cannot be disappointed at all. And I can't thank Tony Khan enough for allowing it. I can't thank Mikey Ruckus enough for being so cool. He gave me the heads up and was so sensitive about it, so cool about it. I, I love the new song. I wish it was my song, but I still have a Deanna Perrazzo song, and I believe I still have Steve Macklin's song, An Impact, and I don't know if I'll be making songs in the future. I'm not sure. I, I stopped doing it, um, but I might go back to it. Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see, but it, uh, music is what I do. I'm in my music school. I taught a drum lesson, a bass lesson, a vocal lesson, and a guitar lesson a day, hour-long lessons. So music's all I do. And I love music, but um, man, it's it's uh, it's hard to compete with something that you love so much, you know. Yeah, but I was gonna ask real quick about how long. I'm sure it varies, but about how long would you say it takes you to to like from start to finish to uh, like the full process of of making a theme song for for a wrestler? It is. It does vary, but I guess I would maybe a hundred hours. You know, oh, like. Wow. I put in time, man. I put in time. I don't have a great studio. Like, it's in my family room, really. I have good software, decent guitars, and decent amps, but I don't really have a studio setting where you can get great sounds out of. So I have to work really hard on that. Deanna's was easier because so much of it was synth, and so much of it is like, um, I'm doing this with my hand, you can't see. So much of it is like keyboarding to do string sounds. With the Dax thing, I had to play a lot of guitar solos and stuff. And so I, I get crazy. I get insane about details i'm not an organized person i'm not a detail-oriented person but when it comes to music i am so i will obsess and obsess and i gotta step away because i'll just keep going and um it's my favorite thing in the world to do i'd say is to make music my favorite thing is it something where do you do you put together like a few different or just like maybe pieces of a few different songs and kind of get a feel for like what is and isn't working or is it something where you kind of get an idea and you kind of just you just kind of go all in on it and, and it's kind of a process for one song or is there is there a collaboration there also with the wrestlers of them giving you feedback as to like i feel this for my character but not that kind of stuff too both diana and um ftr had a lot of feedback into different versions of the songs so and i don't mind because the idea is i'm giving you a song that you're walking out to for a long time maybe a little less for some people but um uh and that is a very involved process. Oh, I like this here. I like that there. You know, Deanna's like, hey, this sounds like a Zelda theme song. I don't like it. 
And so I looked back at an old email and she said, I liked my old WWE theme. And I'm like, man, I need to listen better, man. I need to like pay attention. I went back with her WWE theme and saw the things that was in that, that mine was missing. As far as writing itself, I get the idea and I go with it. Inspiration is easy. We all have ideas. I teach this all the time, by the way. Inspiration is easy. We all have ideas. It's the crafting. The crafting is the work. You know, like the melody in Deanna's theme is, uh, Matthew was there when I just came up. It was like, ba da 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 That's the theme. Now, how do you build on it? How do you make it compelling? How do you make a part two to it? How do you do all these things to grow it into a song? That's the fun part. Because we all have ideas. We can all have a melody. We can all create a melody. But coming up with, like, the full crafting song idea is is uh, very fun and very rewarding. Matt, last thing before we let you go here. I know you're not in your studio, your professional setup that fans can see on watchwithdax.com. Uh, um, it's watchdax.com. I apologize. Let me get the, the YouTube correct, the correct link right. there. It'll be correct in the description. Uh, the usual setup there, but we ask every guest, what's the coolest thing in the room you're in right now? If you well, can go pick great, it up okay. and get it for us if you're able to. I'll, yeah, I'll get this. I love this Charlie Chaplin statue right here. It's oh. a music box, and I've had it on my mantle here at Mako Music for like 10 years. And I started, I made it, we have kids who go to camps here, and they go to every camp. And I'm like, I wonder if I buy a second one if they'll notice. And I put a second one on the mantle, and nobody noticed it. So then I bought a third one at eBay. This is an old music box. And and nobody noticed. It was the most hilarious thing. Me and a student of mine, we just laugh. We're like, is anybody going to notice? But this Charlie Chaplin statue, I don't know if you guys like Charlie Chaplin. He was, Modern Times was worth a watch. It plays this song called Smile. And Smile is a song that he wrote for the movie Modern Times. And it's got this melody. And 30 years later, these songwriters put lyrics to it. And Nat King Cole wrote, uh, sang the lyrics. And that's the song that appeared in the Joker movie, the song Smile which is smile if you're feeling lonely, smile, da, 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 da. And it came from Charlie Chaplin making a movie by himself, acting it, directing it, doing all the stunts, and also writing the damn music. So it's my Charlie Chaplin statue. I told you I could talk a lot about myself, Jeremy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're That's fine. Awesome. It is. That, that is. That is why we do this show. We like learning about people that are in this space with us so i appreciate you joining us uh yes, fantastic absolutely. story to close with uh the charlie chaplin music box matt let everybody know where they can find you at well it's ftr with dax harwood the most talked about i'd say the biggest podcast launch in a long time the most talked about wrestling podcast these days and the reason why people like dax get to know him he's not what you think if you think badly of him and of course that drops now every wednesday it used to be thursdays but every wednesday you can watch it on YouTube, FTRWatchDax.com. And also, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at Matt Kuhn Music. And that's pretty much it. Nothing else to promote. Um, if you're in WBE and you want a wrestling theme, I guess you can give me a call and I'll make one. But other than that, <laughs> it's just uh, FTR with Dax Harwood and Matt Kuhn Music on Twitter. And uh, I would just say be good to each other, be nice to each other. And that's my plug. I, I will say this. I'll put over the Dax Hardwood podcast again because legitimately I spend a lot of my days, the majority of my days listening to wrestling podcasts 
wrestling interviews with everybody and, and anyone in the world of wrestling. And if I did not do that for a living, I would still listen to this podcast, assuming I'm a wrestling fan still in this world. Uh, I would still listen to this podcast because Dax is so insightful. He's so unafraid and you do such a good job of steering the conversation, the research you do, the the way you're, the, the things you're able to get out of him. I love you guys. just, you review tequila as well. That's one of my favorite segments on the show. Uh, I, I love when you guys do that. It's very, it's a down to earth podcast and Dax comes off as so genuine, just sound, seems like the nice person in the world. And yes, you might have an opinion on him based on what he may tweet or other interviews or I, I will say this, if you read the articles, you might get a certain opinion about him. Listen to the show for yourself. Please listen to it for yourself. You'll come away. Whatever your opinion is, it'll either validate it or if you have a bad opinion about things, I promise it'll be turned around in some way and you'll at least see his side of things. So everyone should listen to this podcast because it is fantastic. And Matt, you are half of that. So uh, uh, credit to you. For, for pulling all of that out of him. Again, one of my favorite podcasts well, to listen to. I can't thank you enough for having me on. Me and Jeremy have been talking about this for like six months, like getting me yeah. on the show. And it's just my <laughs> schedule on his nights is really tough. Steve, it's good to finally meet you. Yes. Big supporter of Fightful. Love everybody at Fightful. And big fan of you, Jeremy. And I'm glad you're feeling better. I hope you're thank doing you. good. And anything you ever need, you give me a holler because I'm a big Jeremy Lambert fan as well. I appreciate that. I'm going to be at WrestleCade this year. Brian Danielson is going to be there, and I'm going to pitch my entire podcast to him, and we're going to make that happen. So I'm going to be there, though, to hang out with with all the pals, including you and Cass and Sean yes. and everybody else who is going to be there. Guys, thank you for joining us here on the Creator Spotlight, and we'll be right back here on the Spotlight. All right, everyone. I'm back. Hopefully you can hear me. Hope you enjoyed that interview. I got a little bit of work done in my room back here. Again, still work in progress. Um, a few more things added back there to make a little bit more full. Um, so yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the show today. Should be back at the normal time next week at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time here on youtube.com slash Fightful. Um, yeah, we'll be talking about a whole bunch of stuff in pro wrestling again next week. We'll have another interview for y'all next week. Um, yeah, don't really have much more to say. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. You can use code fight talk, all as one word, no spaces on independent wrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Also, you want to use that code. Make sure to subscribe to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. It's every Sunday on fightfulselect.com, mainly covering the world of independent, independent professional wrestling and a whole bunch of other stuff too over there uh, as a part of the $5 tier at fightfulselect.com. I've been doing that show for like four years. Um, so, I appreciate everyone who's a longtime listener and anyone who's new who wants to start listening. I appreciate y'all as well. And uh, and yeah, make sure to hit the thumbs up button here. Hit the uh, the like, the subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll be back, myself and Jeremy, once again, next Thursday for the spotlight right here, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. I've been Steven Jensen for Jeremy Lambert. Y'all have a good one. Until next week, enjoy some professional wrestling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.